Welcome, gamers, to Basement Arcade Pause Menu, the show where we hit pause, sit back, and just chill. I'm your host, Ben Magnet, and some of you all might know that as much as I enjoy the art of chilling, I also enjoy the art of chilling with a nice book. As much as I love video games, as much as I love playing video games, books are awesome, especially when books involve video games. So today's guest is a purveyor of such books. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the head of Retro Game Books, Brian Rigsby. Brian, how are you, sir? How you been? Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming on the show. You are the head of Retro Game Books, which is, a, as far as I can tell, a, pro, a provider of fine retro video game inspired books. And we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, a whole lot about that. But before we get into that, every single time I have a guest on the show, especially a brand new guest, I always ask them this one very important question. How did you get into video games? Oh, wow. Okay. So the first the first games I remember seeing were, it was probably an Atari system of some sort. I can't remember which one, but it was something at a friend's house. Um, mm-hmm. We did have... It was maybe 2600. I can't remember. We had something. I, I just remember the first game we owned was uh, it was a Popeye game where you were Popeye running around trying to collect hearts that Olive was dropping. And, uh, you know, the big bad, of course, was trying to chase you. It was a terrible, terrible game. But hearts? Um, I'm surprised it's not spinach. I it, yeah, I think it was hearts. It was like, you know, her love, whatever it was. I don't even think there was a spinach upgrade, but feel free to look this one up later. Um, <laughs> that was like our first real entry. Um, but the thing that really like got me into video games was like that day I went to my neighbor's house and he's like, there's a dragon. It's in a game. You have to come in. And he was referring to Bowser and Super mm-hmm. Mario Brothers for Nintendo, oh. um, which is he a dragon? Is he a turtle? Is he a dinosaur? That's whatever <laughs> you want to believe. Um, I think as a little kid, dragon is fine. So uh, I went in there and watched and played a little bit and got hooked and, of course, begged my mother for an NES, and that's what kind of took off from there. Oh, I feel like so many kids have that exact same story of where they're at a friend's house, they see a video game system, they have no idea what it is, and they're just completely enamored because that's actually exactly how I got into video games. When I was a very young kid, my next-door neighbor, he had a Sega Genesis. He showed me Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I become hooked. Sonic the Hedgehog becomes the biggest thing in my life ever and i'm for years i'm begging my parents for a sega genesis i'm begging my parents for video games so i can play Sonic the hedgehog didn't get it until the windows 95 and my parents got me uh sonic cd for the windows 95 but yeah so many times or so many instances you go to a friend's house like we had another friend a close family friend he we had the playstation 2 at our house but his house well he had ps2 as well he was an Xbox mostly. He had an Xbox. So we would every time we go to visit so many nights when my brother and I were kids, we're playing like we're playing Halo multiplayer to the wee hours in the morning. We're playing Red Dead Redemption, just gunslinger mode, just constantly playing all these different multiplayer shooter games. And we didn't because we didn't have this back home. We had the PlayStation because the PlayStation was our mostly single player. Let's go and experience a great story whereas the xbox was like that was the multiplayer machine that was where you go to have fun with friends and god it's just every time i hear a story like that it's like yep it's 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 true it's one of those great stories where you were a kid you have a friend and next thing you know 
that friend got you hooked and every i can only assume parents just like every time they see that kid they just give them a side i was like how dare you get my child into video games <laughs> uh my mom was um I, I i wouldn't say supportive or you know the, you know the flip side but she was definitely indifferent but she was supportive in the sense of you know we had a super nintendo we later had a genesis i had an n64 like i definitely feel privileged and you know the mm-hmm. things we had we didn't have everything we didn't have like a playstation later uh, you know, I later got a PS2 and all that. I've never owned an Xbox system, which is like hard to admit, you know, like as a gamer to be like, I've barely touched Xbox ever in my life. But that's more of like, you know, you get older, less time, you got to kind of pick a lane. And I tend to yeah. juggle between like retro and a modern game kind of going back and forth. I got a PS5, of course, now um, and a Switch is probably like where I spend most of my time, those two things. Um, but the multiplayer thing, like I'd say my first big one was was GoldenEye. I mean, same kid's house, but with four people. You know, go, I never played it when it got remastered, re-released, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm sure the controls feel very archaic now, I can only imagine. I remember we used to call it the circle of death, which was like you get up on a guy and you would just kind of like just circle around him as, as you're firing at him because that was like the best use of the controller and the way it's kind of laid out. Um, I'd later go on to, you know, playing like Counter-Strike and those kind of games, um, semi-competitively, um, which, you know, I, I was in that camp of like, you know, FPS have to be on a PC and there's no way around it. And now I'm like, I just want to sit on my couch and play a console game, you know, a lot of one, a lot of single player games. So I don't get too addicted, but that's, that's just where I'm at now. Yeah. For, I hundred percent, I hundred percent get where you're coming from. The single player games, I look. I won't say that I'm not a multiplayer guy. I do enjoy multiplayer games, mostly multiplayer games when I'm with playing with friends, either online. Um, like I I did I wasn't a big Fortnite guy, and then mm. my friends finally got me into it because my brother tried. My brother attempted to get me into Fortnite very early on. Like I want to say like season two or like the very beginning of the game, or then the game right before the game reached peak popularity. I didn't really enjoy it all that much. I mean, I liked the shooting aspect, but the whole building stuff I kind of hated because I'm like, how do I'm trying to like jump between two different control schemes and I didn't enjoy it. And also there wasn't much to do. A few years down the line, my friends are saying like, yo, the Marvel event's really good. You should probably play Fortnite again. But I'm mm. like, ah, I don't know, because I've been a Fortnite hater for years. Every time I'd see kids do the dances or they talk about like, oh, yeah, Master Chief is from Fortnite. I just I die a little on the inside. I was unfortunately that old guy like screaming, get off my lawn, you Fortnite kids. And then I started playing it again and I saw what they added to the game. I'm like, oh, okay, there's something here. I started playing it. And I also think because I was playing it with my friends who were really just enjoying it. And also I finally just got off my quote unquote high horse. And Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, Fortnite is fun. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But you know what? I find enjoyment in this game. So I'm just gonna go ahead and play it. Yeah, I mean, if it, I honestly, the game is fun. That's all it needs to be. Like, mm-hmm. if it achieves that, it doesn't have to look good. It doesn't even have to sound good. Obviously, those things are important. But yeah, no matter what people are saying about a game, if you're having fun, that's all that matters. And that includes people that cheat and people that play on easy mode and all those things that are somehow contentious. <laughs> I don't know why. Whatever. Just have fun. <laughs> I don't understand the whole if you play a game on easy mode, you didn't play the game at all. I don't know where this argument came up from. I like playing like God of War, Kingdom Hearts, uh, Final Fantasy 16. A lot mm-hmm. of these games I either play on, I play on medium. I, I enjoy a bit of a challenge. Like the default, I'm not, you mean? 
Yeah, I play the at the default uh, level because it's like I want to experience the story. I want to experience some challenge in my gameplay, but also, like you said, I'm an adult with a nine to five ish job. I don't have a whole lot of spare time. I got right. stuff to do, and also I have other projects lined up that I want to do. So my video gaming time is very, very limited. So part of me for not wanting to dive into the hardest difficulty where I almost break my controller. Cause Hey, those PS5 controllers are really freaking expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm the same. I, I play almost everything on default. And then if I love it, if it's like, like the, when the resident evil two remake came out, I'm like, yeah, I want to play that again. I'm going to play it on hard. And like when the, when the last of us originally came out, I want to play it again. I'm going to play it on the hardest difficulty, which is a totally different experience. And I actually like really enjoy that when you don't know how many bullets are in your gun and you're kind of freaking out. It actually enhances the experience. But again, mm-hmm. that's not that's not for everyone. That's OK. Yeah, I played a bit of because uh, on this podcast or at least on this podcast channel, every October, my friends put me through the ringer of scary games. Like they have mm. me play some of the most terrifying games they could find. And of course, we record it and put it on the Internet because, you know, it's funny. And last year, they had me play, I finally watched The Last of Us, the HBO version, or the HBO mm-hmm. show. Okay. I finally saw it, um, amazing television show, And but I have not to, I have yet to play the game. So what they did is they had me play a single section of the game where it's a one-hit kill. As in, if you get hit by any of the clickers, you're instantly dead. And I'm like, okay, this is hard. But I could see why people enjoy it because you really have to think, you have to plan out. It's not like other action games. Um, the only one that comes to mind is God of War, where it's like you just rush in and just hack and slash as much as you can, and then just like maybe every once in a while glance at your health to make sure you're not about to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you have enough time to actually the luxury of time to even check that and see <laughs> that you have. I'm the same way. Um, I actually don't really like stealth games all that much, like the hardcore mm-hmm. stealth games. Um, it's why I feel like I can't really get deeply into like Metal Gear games, although I deeply appreciate them and the ones I've played, and I probably should give them more of a chance. But on the way you kind of describe them, where I, I want to be a bruiser, I want to just run in, I don't want to be patient. But <laughs> with The Last of Us, I don't know what it is. Like something clicks in that where um, if they're asking me to go a little slow at a point, I somehow really enjoy it. Like there's something about sneaking up and like, the reward of doing so and like how it fits into the environment. And it doesn't feel like a cheesy, like you're a spy, get in the shadow. You haven't been in the shadow for five seconds. They're going to spot you. Like, it's not that kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. Something about it just really works. Um, it's probably just because I also grew up loving zombie games and I'm just a huge fan right. of like post-apocalyptic. So I'm just going to do whatever those games ask of me, I think. No, hundred percent. And even with some stealth sections, because you mentioned some stealth sections where, or it's hard to get into stealth games. I remember when I was playing Final Fantasy 15, and there are some sections of the game where you can like knock off, where you can like knock out or like take out enemies one at a time in a very stealthy manner. And they give you a bonus for like the stealth version, where like, you went in full stealth or you went in just guns a blazing, just apps causing as much chaos as humanly possible. So many times have I tried to do the stealth bit. Like, I wasn't trying to cause chaos. I just wanted to go do the stealth bit. And all of a sudden, I make one tiny wrong move or I take out one enemy that I wasn't supposed to or I didn't see his buddy just staring over, just watching the entire time. And all of a sudden, alarms are blaring. I go, ah, shit. All right. Yep. 
And I think that's what bothers me about it too, because then if you have to do it again, you're like, I can do everything up until that point the same way, but you're forcing me to do it again. And it almost feels like a punishment in a way. Yeah. Um, you just want to kind of get back in the action. I think for me though, the biggest reason though, is I'm just impatient. I'm like, yeah. I got an hour to play. I want to get in there. I want to see, some, I want to see more stuff. I mean, yeah. stealth is play, but to me, it feels like a bit of a burden. Um, but I think that's, for me, the Spider-Man games have done a really good job with stealth. I haven't, I haven't actually played the modern Spider-Man Ooh, game. Okay. So what do they do? Um, they, so it's, have you played the Batman Arkham games by any chance? I, I, I have, I have, yes. I have played a little bit of those. Think of it's kind of like the stealth areas in the Batman Arkham games, whereas you could bruise your way through it, but there's sections where a lot of guys with a lot of guns and it's like maybe fist fighting them is not the best idea. So you have to go up into the shed or go up out of their sight and just like wait until everyone calms down a little bit and you can start pick them off one by one. I would say, I mean, there are sections of the of that that are a little tedious, but I won't lie the satisfaction of waiting for a certain goon just to walk by and you're like up on the ceiling and you're able to do a silent like web takedown where you string them up on the ceiling and they're just like going like they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're like they can't make any noise. And it's it's just very satisfying seeing these guys getting picked off one by one. And if you get caught and even if you get caught, you can like run away and hide in a corner and then they they can't find you. So all of a sudden, I mean, yes, they're all high alert, but you can still go on and start and keep picking them off. Well, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I would say the because also it's Spider-Man because there are times you're swinging through New York City and all of a sudden there's a, a crime pops up. It's like, I got to go stop it because I'm Spider-Man. And you it's I would say it's a good mix of action and some stealth missions. And I would say. I would say the stealth doesn't really bother me all that much because there are times where I get to the very end of a mission. I only have like four guys left. I'm like, okay, I could take four guys. I got, I got AOE attacks that could take them, take them out. I could do this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these games, they've been on my backlog, uh, but I mean, everyone has a backlog that's unmanageable, I think. So preach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we're technically looking at all the game, like the mini game, the mini consoles I own, the games I, bought i i bought when i was at conventions and a whole bunch of other stuff yeah that backlog was just too big yeah yeah <laughs> and it's gonna get even worse because there's all these games coming out like mario the thousand year door is coming out this year and also like excuse me and it's like i want my thousand year door but also i want the super mario rpg for the switch that looks so good yeah and there's games from last year i i, I still haven't played Baldur gate three uh Baldur's gate three yet and i want to catch up on that um I'm playing Octopath Traveler 2 right now and I'm almost done with it, but like that's a big time commitment. I mean, just playing Tears of the Kingdom last year was enough to like take up a huge portion of my gaming time, which was well enjoyed, like such a great experience. Oh, yeah. Um, but that took up a lot of my time. <laughs> um, as far as how many hours? Was, I, need, like, I need to know. Do you I know can't remember the exact amount, but it was a gross amount. It, it was triple digits, like uh-huh. that, for too. sure. But that's, I think that's most people that did most everything in the game. And I did, I think I did like, other than every Korok seed, I think I did everything. Um, you did all the Korok seeds? No, 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 no. I'm saying oh, with okay. the exception of, oh, because okay. that oh. is like, oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian. There's, I, just, I mean, I was, I'm definitely one of those people where like I run around with the mask on because I'm like, well, I don't want to miss one if I might see it. And then I end up having like whatever, 60% of them by the end of the game. But, um, I just couldn't. I couldn't just go back and finish that. That's crazy. 
definitely my no, it's not crazy if anyone out there listening does that you're not crazy you're enjoying yourself <laughs> but you, I hey if it. you you want to do a completionist uh completionist thing of tears of the kingdom or breath of the wild for that matter more power to you yeah. i salute you person who has done that but that's that is a game where i'm like add more content to this game i'll keep playing it for like the next five years if they added something every six months i would keep playing it i mean same with like elden ring those kind of games like just keep adding more i want to keep playing yeah elden ring is definitely something i'm waiting for i'm like patiently waiting for the dlc to drop so i can go back Mm -hmm. to that i love it makes you wonder like is it like by the time they come out with it i'm wondering is this going to be like its own game (laughs) like i know like they're putting the polish it probably deserves into it i mean yeah what a polished game the, the 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 standalone is, but um, I'm, I'll pay, I'll pay with whatever they want. I'm I'm interested. Yeah, as much fun as I had with Elden Ring, just like just not just playing by myself, playing with my friends, with my brother. I'm like they come out and say, "Hey, we do have a DLC. It is a little more expensive than it used to be." I'm like, "Take it." Do you guys mm-hmm. were, that game was game of the year when it first came out? Just take my money. Let me go back into the world of the Earth Tree. I want to go back. <laughs> Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if it, I mean, assuming it will be DLC, I'm still wondering what are they going to do as far as like, if you're in the middle of like a new game plus, is it somewhere you can just wander off to? Do you need to kind of like tie off loose ends? Like, how are they going to do that? Like, I'm assuming your character is going to carry over because that would be kind mm-hmm. of a bummer to anyone, you know, who f- would feel like they have to start over in some way. But how they handle that, I think will be, will be interesting. So, yeah, see. most definitely. I really... I'm just I'm looking forward to it because once I beat my first run of Elden Ring, I was at 190 some hours. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Or not? Mm-hmm. I wasn't like that's it. I'm done. I'm never gonna play this game again. It was like I don't need to go to a new game plus because you know, I see the credits roll. I want to do something else, or I want to play something else, and that's how it was with me with Tears of the Kingdom. Like you said, Tears of the Kingdom, huge time sink. It. I was playing that game for months, months on end. And now that I've beaten it, I'm excited. I loved it. I, it made me cry. It made me have all the feels. I'm like, all right, time to move on to something else. Started playing Sea of Stars. And now I've, I'm trying to get into the um, into the habit of beating a game that either started or already owned before I buy a new one. Because I, mm-hmm. I was out um, with my fiance last night. We walked into a GameStop at a mall and they had a game I've been really wanting, Star Ocean, the second story R. And I'm like, I really want this game, but I want it so bad. And she's like, no, I mean, first of all, we're saving, we're going to Japan this year. And she's like, save money and beat other games first. I'm like, but I want it. It's right here. She's like, no, wait. I'm like, okay, I'll wait. Yeah, I get that. And I, I remember playing Star Ocean uh, second story a long time ago. Um, Cause that's a remake, isn't it? Of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, pl- I, that's the only one I played was the second story back in the day. I uh, barely remember it. But yeah, I'm the same way. Um, if I start another game, I will not go back to the other one. I, basically, that's me saying I'm done with it. I like just focusing all my attention on one thing. It's like, you know, the story's fresh. Like, uh, the gameplay's fresh. You don't have to relearn anything. That's kind of just a benefit. So I know that if I'm yeah. switching, like, that means I'm probably done or most likely done. And I should just mm-hmm. accept that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the only only time when I started a big because especially with RPGs, they're they're long games, they're long time sinks, they're long stories, and like you say, you haven't started Baldur's Gate three. I haven't started Baldur's Gate three. I would love to play Baldur's Gate three, but once again, I am terrified to play Baldur's Gate because I just know how big that game is, and there's yeah. a bunch of other games that are 
I wouldn't say they're more manageable, but they're a lot less. They're a lot shorter, and I could get through them a lot quicker. I like when I finally beat Final Fantasy 16. I'm like, cool. Now I can focus all my attention on Sea of Stars, and then I can go from there. Um, when I was sick with COVID uh, last December, I started playing Chrono Trigger on my DS because I didn't have access to my PS5 when I was isolating in my room. I'm like, you know what? Let me start playing Chrono Trigger. I started playing that at the tail end of my isolation period. And I'm mad at myself because I probably could have beaten that game the whole time I was sick and isolated. Because when I finally started playing it, I was like, I get it now. This game is one of the best games ever made. Holy shit, what have I been doing with my life? Yeah, one of the best soundtracks, too, of any game ever created, at least in my opinion, top five. Um, I replayed it a couple years ago, having not played it since I did this thing when I was a kid where I rented it, didn't finish it, came back the next weekend, rented it, prayed that my uh, save file was still there, and it, and it was, which is, like, kind of amazing. And I was wondering when I did this playthrough again, it being decades later, did I get the same ending? Did I act the same? Am I the same kind of player? Not, you know, you know, like, do I play in the same way? And like something in, makes me feel like I am, like, I feel like I probably made very similar choices, but I, I would love if I had just like somehow had that documented in some way and I can compare and be like, yeah, like, am I different? Like, I, I just really wonder, but I have no way to know. I don't, I don't have a journal no. or anything. I would never yeah. know. <laughs> no, when I was playing it, cause I've actually, I had my copy of Chrono Trigger for quite a while. I bought it. was a complete. It wasn't a complete impulse buy, but I was looking it up. Um, I, people on Twitter have been saying like, "Hey, Chrono Trigger is one of the best game ever." Uh, there's some people mm-hmm. I follow who would. Uh, there's people who have been on the show, as a matter of fact, who would say that Chrono Trigger is like it's one of the best RPGs ever made. It's the best Final Fantasy ever made. All these accolades for Chrono Trigger. And then finally, when I found the DS copy on eBay, the copy I bought was for 75 bucks. And price charting averages at, at like at the time it was like 90, 95, 100 some bucks. I got lucky with that. I won the bid. I got the game. While the case wasn't in the best condition, the insides were pristine. I got the poster and I made and it's a real cartridge. Thank the good, thank goodness it's a real cartridge. That was the big thing that scared me was like, is this cartridge gonna be real or is it a repro? It's 100 authentic. And when I tell when I told some of my friends about it, they're like, dude, you you got a good deal for a Crow Trigger for 75. Like normally I would not, I wouldn't dream about spending that much money for a DS game. But because yeah. of Crow Trigger, it's like, okay, sure, I'll 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 fork over the money for it. And I had that sucker for about a year and a half until I finally started playing it. Yeah, and I mean, 75, if it was like, you know, let's say you bought the Super Nintendo version in the original days, it was something like 70 bucks already. And with inflation, I mean, that's like over 100 bucks. Like, it's like you're getting a deal at this point. But uh, my copy is right next to me, but it's uh, it's the Super Famicom version, which was cheaper. Um, oh, yeah. So it's not in as much limited supplies. So that's just uh, eye candy, of course. And yeah, I'd be, I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't get into it. But like, I'd be very curious to hear what you think of Sea of Stars when you're done. I, I played that one through. I know there's a lot of like comparisons people are making to Chrono Trigger. I, I, I'm of the opinion that they're very like surface level comparisons because they're there's like the look, the general look, um, the combos and the battle, like those things kind of the same. But I think they're extremely different games, um, but I'll just kind of leave it at that because I don't want—I don't like spoiling things for people. So, hold up, ah! yeah, excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> Thank you. Oh, that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun audio later. Uh, so, fun fact: I started Chrono Trigger because of Sea of Stars. 
because I saw people when Sea of Stars first came out, people were saying it's a fantastic turn-based RPG. I saw a few trailers of it online or through my Twitter or you know just through my social feeds, and I'm like, huh, I love the pixel art. This game, I love how it's a. I enjoy how they're going back to the 16-bit roots of turn-based RPGs. All right, I'll give this a shot. And then all of a sudden, being a PlayStation Plus subscriber, they're like, hey, Sea of Stars is now available for you to download and play at no extra charge. I'm like, oh, sweet. It's like the one time where being a PS Plus subscriber works in your favor, where it's like, I have access to this game, had no extra charge, and I could play it. And as I was playing it, it was amazing. I get sick. I go upstairs. I'm like, all right, I'm going to finally bring Chrono Trigger in with me so I could play it. I start playing it, and I'm like, everything just clicked. Whereas you're absolutely right. It is, I would say, Sea Stars and Chrono Trigger, there are similarities, but you're 100% right. They are two to completely different games, and they're two amazing games. Whereas mm. I could see, like, I would say it's mostly in the combat and, like, how you traverse the world and fight enemies. That's where the similarities begin and end with Chrono Trigger. Besides that, or also with the, how having three members in your party and being able to, with these sea stars, you can switch them out on the fly. Whereas with Chrono mm. Trigger, you have to you have to switch them out outside of battle. But other than that, I could see what people. I understand. I could finally say I understand what people mean by Chrono Trigger is one of the best games ever. Why people love Sea of Stars, and they can. It's like it reminds them of Chrono Trigger. And not spoiling any story spot stop in Sea of Stars or Chrono Trigger. But I understand if you play mm -hmm. one, you're going to if you enjoyed one, you're going to enjoy the other. I I would definitely say that. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is obviously not a spoiler. I you mentioned the way it looks. I mean, it is um, it is a beautiful game. Like it's it's worth it's worth playing just for the looks alone. If you're interested in pixel art or that kind of classic look, um, mm -hmm. I think that makes it worthwhile. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. And. That was one hell of an intro, I might say. Oh, whatever. I can talk whatever you want to talk about. I'm here for you. What do you, what do you want to do? <laughs> no, I just I find it hilarious because like because like I tell every guest who comes on, like rants and tangents, they're not they're not just welcomed on the show, they are encouraged. And mm -hmm. I might have I've heard that before, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for like the past almost like the past 30 minutes, we're talking about crow trigger, stealth games, and all this stuff. But also we're here to talk about you and um retro game books because you have a company that prints and creates these video game books about retro video games and i have to say as unfortunately i have to out myself here i don't have any of the books yet don't, we'll change it being, for you. don't worry keyword there being yet because i think you're providing us you're providing a service and like you and a bunch of others that like yes it's retro video games and books but you can they're well, I'm trying, what am I just trying to say here? You're provide you're giving something that people are going to love. I'm pretty sure, and it's not just like simple coffee table books. It's like, hey, he, like you have a book on your website right now, which is the history of Rygar. I never even heard of that game. I probably I'm pretty sure I've seen it and maybe a few times in my in my life, but you have a book about a specific game, and people and look going scrolling down the website, there's quotes of saying it's like, oh my god, people, there's someone out there who actually wrote the history about it. The one book that I was this close to insta buying, but it was sold out, was the history of Final Fantasy. And I'm like, damn it. All right, because I have to wait for that one to come back in stock. But then you have all these other, like these omnibuses and these collections 
But before we start getting into more the, like the nitty gritty of like certain books, what made you want to start retro game books? What's the, what was the history, the catalyst, if you will, for this? Yeah. So uh, this has been going on now for close to four years. Uh, the history of Rygar book was the uh, premier book. Um, cool. At that time, it was really just me with a goal for myself, which was I want to create something. I want to like, I want it to be something for me. If people like it, that's great. But I want to challenge myself. Uh, my son was on the way, so I kind of almost used him as a milestone. It was one of those, oh, if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. Um, of course, mm-hmm. as you can see from the website, uh, an addiction took over. Now it's um, a full-on business, um, but you know, for the better. And so I, you know, I picked Rygar. Rygar is not like my number one game series of all time, but it is something where I grew up on it on the NES version and the arcade version. Um, I played like the PS2 version as well, but there's all these other versions I didn't even know about until I started researching the book. And so I picked that as because I wanted something niche, something that had not been written about. And that's still like a principle I have with all the other books, which is like, I don't want to put a bunch of stuff out there where it's like, it's just pictures of NES games, or it's just like, you know, like everyone's already talked about this developer or this system or right. This generation. And that's fine. Some people do that and they probably do it better than I could, but like, I want these to be unique in some way. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's important to me. They have to be something that I want to put on my shelf and I want to see myself and there be, I'm creating them or someone I'm working with others to create them, or I'm publishing for others because I want to fill those niches. And so Rygar was just kind of like a challenge. And, um, it allowed me to, you know, fine tune, like I've always been a creative person, like doing layouts and all that was, it's fun. You know, I enjoy doing it. Um, the writing and researching was like a bit of like a, you know, fl- uh, uh, testing my muscles a little bit. I made sure to pair up with a really strong editor, which I think is important. I, I work with the same editor on just about every book. Uh, very important. Uh, I, I owe him a lot of credit for the quality of words, I will say. Um, and, you know, putting that out, I'm one of those people where, I start with an idea. I think, yeah, it's just going to be about the games. Oh, but what if I had this? What if I had that? What if I had an art gallery from modern fan artists? What if I add, you know, like some extra fun stuff in the back and like a look forward to the future, et cetera, et cetera. And so it just kind of ballooned and ballooned, um, but for the better. And so, yeah, there's a bunch of cool fan art in there. There's all kinds of other stuff. There's even like someone who transcribed like music from the, the NES games and there's like sheet music in there. Like, if you, oh, wow. Even if you're not a fan of this stuff, it's kind of cool just to see how packed it is with information. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to carry that as a theme for with everything else. Like, how packed can I make this? Like, how content heavy can I make this? Um, so it started with that, and it just kind of branched on from there. I started working on like the uh, video game map series. It's a series that I'm mm-hmm. continuing to work on today. There's a few in the works right now for some other systems um, that will hopefully be out before the end of this uh, 2024 year. Um, and then like you mentioned, like the final fantasy book. So that book is by another author. That's, that's not by me. Um, that's, uh, there's that book. There's like a few hardcore gaming one-on-one books on there. There's some, there's some 32 bit library books. Those are books, uh, created by other authors. And so, uh, as a merchant, I'm carrying, uh, those books. So that's like a different, um, pathway that I'm, I'm, I'm working on right now. Um, so you'll see more and more books from other authors that were already completed And then there's like a third pathway, which is that, uh, for example, I'm working with an author right now on an original idea. So like, you know, people can pitch ideas to me 
um, we'll work out a contract. Like we're negotiating this, this one I'm speaking to right now, uh, right now. And so, uh, you know, by the time this airs, it might even be signed and started. And so there'll be a cool original idea. And then again, putting those principles to that idea, like, is this something that hasn't been done before? Is this filling a niche in some way? Um, that's important to me. Like maybe it even has your personal twist on it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like bring yourself into this story. That's interesting to me. Like, History of Rygar, it doesn't have any any of me in it. It's a history book, but it's a history book that had not been written. We're talking about something that has been written. Like, let's bring in your personal side. What's the theme? Like, how do you connect with this book? Um, And, you know, there's other stuff on there. I've kept expanding. You know, there's some T-shirts. There's some wax pack trading cards, uh, which I thought those were so fun to get manufactured. Like, there's there's like a scratcher card in one of them. If you remember those, like, those, those old Nintendo scratcher games where you're trying to, like, do damage to the baddie on the other side of the scratcher game. It's just like, it's not gambling. It's just for fun kind of a thing and like putting out stuff like that. Um, so it's just kind of, it just kept ballooning. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's just gonna, it's just kind of rolling on its own at this point. It's just expanding and expanding. I was looking, when I was looking at your website, um, when, like when you first reached out and when you, when we first started talking about coming on the show and doing this episode, I was looking at your website and just like scrolling through. And I, I think, the one item on your website that did throw me off is like hold up that exists is the trading cards that you mentioned and Mm -hmm. i was not i was not expecting that like when i hear a company about retro game books or like your company retro game books i'm thinking it's just retro game books nothing else and not that there's anything bad to add more stuff of course not scrolling down and i saw those trading cards i'm like that's actually really cool i actually really like that because as a kid i never for me trading cards it was all about the Pokemon TCG when I was a kid. Like I tried getting into baseball cards, but I didn't really enjoy it. I think I was just trying to think of like, how can I turn this into a game? But that's not really what they're there for. But then you go to like games like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, even the Digimon card game. The first one that was a big thing here in the nineties or the early two thousands. That those trading cards, I think now that I'm an adult, I, I could, I could appreciate more. But that's still awesome that you're making them and like how they looked back in the day. Because there's a collector show here in Southern California that there is a booth that sells nothing but wax packed trading cards from like the 80s, the 90s. And they even have sets from Super Mario, Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm just looking going, oh, my God, these existed. And it took everything I had to not buy like a box or two. Yeah. And the fun of ripping open the box. Like I remember that back in the day with comic book cards was so fun. Um, yeah, the, the funny thing you, you mentioned the name, the retro game books name. I mean, personally, I think like what makes a good name is that it's memorable. It's e- like easy to kind of spell the URLs available. It says what you do. The, the one thing I will criticize myself on though, is like, yeah, there's more than books. It's kind of like, if you called star Wars, the adventures of Luke Skywalker, there's you're limiting yourself, but it's okay. It's all under the same umbrella. Uh, I'm not too worried about that. And uh, if anyone's wondering, there is no crusty gum inside the wax packs. I was just trying to save everyone the pain, the future pain of if you kept this thing closed and you opened it up and there was some nasty gum in there. Um, we don't need to go through that cycle again. And I think, I think we can skip it. I completely forgot that old school trading cards, like legit trading cards, not card games, trading cards. Some of them back in the day, before my time, I was born in 90, so this is, may have been a little bit before my time, had gum in their in the packs i completely Mm -hmm. forgot about that and as everyone else and as a possible future collector of cards like this thank you for not doing that yeah and that gum i mean 
my memory's a little fuzzy from that time, but I seem to remember it being pretty gross. Like even if it was a new pack, like there's something about it. It was hard. It would shatter by the time you opened it. Um, we'd be tempted. We'd maybe try it and then regret it instantly. It's just, it's not necessary. Also, I don't even know, like, is it okay to put food inside of a pack of cards anymore? Probably that might not even be legal anymore. I don't even know. Probably, probably I'm pretty sure the law has changed. I'm pretty sure the law, I'm pretty sure the FDA, uh, the Food and Drug Administration, they probably changed the laws a little bit. But also, is gum technically food? Because it's solely you're supposed. To oh, that's a good. That's food. a good point. You're not. You're not. You're not swallowing it unless you're. Yeah, you're a not. Kid. I mean, is there nutrition facts on like a pack of five gum? I don't know because. For me, gum is just like something for me to chew on. And I just remember all my years at high school, middle school, elementary school, second a kid got caught with gum. How dare you, you know, bringing the hammer down. Oh, right, but right, college, right. Yeah. All of a sudden, I go to college and they just don't give a shit. It yeah. was like the gum is Gum is not their worry. Their worry now must be uh, smartphones in class or something like that is my guess. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. Gum cannot like be high on the list. Or at least depending on like how big the class is. If it's a giant lecture hall, then they just like, hey, it's not. I'm just here to do my to try and teach you all. If you're here to pay attention, cool. If you're here just because it's a, a requirement and you're off in the back of the of the of the lecture hall, like scrolling through your phone, I'm not gonna yell at you. I'm not gonna care. Just make sure you turn your stuff in on time. That's all I care about. Yes. Yeah. I mean, why even I, why even show up at that point, right? <laughs> that I mean, is on I, you. I, I, I mean, I did show up to class because, you know, they're growing up. There were times where it's like, I know I need to go to class. And I was, that part of me was instilled. But there were times there was a, there was definitely an art history class that I took. I only took it because it was a prerequisite for I just need to get that credit to, you know, to check the box off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, not my brightest moment in school because I was definitely always sitting in the back. And I had my laptop open. I wasn't taking notes. I really wasn't paying attention. I was just scrolling through nine gag and funny stuff the whole time because it wasn't my thing. And then the, the professor, the only thing that made me really happy was that the professor put the um, put the entire textbook online as like an ebook. And we and she said, like, I'm all I'm going to save you all one hundred and fifty bucks right now. See this link. That's the link to the book. This is how you get to it. You're welcome. And that just went. I mean, that's nice. I still remember all the money I had to spend on the textbooks and how every year there was a new one, which is just a, it's like a brutal conspiracy. So that's that's a good professor. There were times where I actually, when I've, because I went to Cal State Northridge my freshman year, and then I left for two years to go to a JC, came back to finish my schooling. That's where I graduated from. And when I came back, uh, I got a job at the school bookstore. And I would actually, <laughs> I would make mental notes on when kids would come in and they would pay for their books. I would see, uh, I would also, I would like to make mental notes. It was like, I got two people today who spent over a thousand dollars in books alone. And yeah, every time the number just, and every time the number just kept going up, I would just look at them and go, uh, you want to know the damage? And they're just like, sitting they're like, bring it, give it to me, give it to me. And I tell them the, I tell them the toll and they just go, you know yeah well just, our books are cheaper than that for what it's worth and i would yeah. argue more, more enjoyable too so i would argue that as well i def i've only kept like maybe two of my textbooks from school and they're not even textbooks they're comic books i took a comic book class when i was in when i was in college and it's when my professor said hey these are technically textbooks i'm like cool i'm keeping these because these are fun i like these mm-hmm. yeah and also they that. didn't I, 
And also, they did not break the bank. That's the good news. They didn't break the bank. But yeah, so you mentioned that you have um, a book of a book project in the works right now, uh, one of your map series for systems that I know what the systems are, but I'm not going to spoil it for people. Um, now, I my my next question for you is, for you personally, how long does a project like that take? Like from conception to finished product is there like a general timeline an average or is it just completely random it's like i don't know how long it's gonna take it comes out when it comes out like is there a process or what's the what's the deal yeah every time i personally am like working through one of these uh i do follow a process and i Mm -hmm. revise that process as i go like i maintain a checklist of like kind of all the like go-to-market things you need to do all the pre-production production and go-to-market activities that i need to do um, but that only gets you so far. Um, but like my process is really like, well, one, pick an idea, kind of mm-hmm. pick a lane, kind of rough out, like, what am I going to do? Is it something totally original? Is it a continuation of something else? Whatever it is. Uh, then I just go deep into the research. And that's where I get confirmation on, is this worth doing, right? Um, is there like enough information out there? The words, the images, the people to get involved. Like I like to collaborate with a lot of people. Anytime I do something, I'm like, okay, who's a few people I can interview? Uh, who would be a great person to write a forward for this? Who would be, you know, like, can I get like favorite memories for the Genesis games they've played and like the maps they used to play? Like, wouldn't it be cool to throw like a hundred people's memories in there? Like things like that. And I start to build it up. I'm like, does this feel worthwhile? Um, like when I did the Genesis maps book, I, I was, you know, that was, again, I'm doing it for me. I had a Genesis. I love maps. I think this is great. Um, but I need to like think about like, is there a good enough content out there? Like, is there modern artists that have done hand-drawn maps of Genesis uh, games that that would be interested in featuring? Um, what would the cover art look like? And so I just start, you know, who is the cover artist I want to work with that, to commission for this? Um, like, I, I I always try to work with different uh, uh, artists, by the way, like for the covers, because I just like having like a diverse look um, and feel, and like also just supporting artists. I think is important, um, and so. I start the research process. I start to figure out like who's going to get involved. It's good to get those people involved early because some people will say, yeah, I can work on that cover and they might take many, many months. And it's like, that's their pace. Whereas I like to, I like to work fast. I like to keep a momentum. So get those people involved early. Um, Once I've got everything researched, I get everything organized in spreadsheets and docs or whatever I do, like file directory with like images that I'm working on, like images I'm cleaning up, images I'm scanning, whatever it is I'm doing. Or the, or the people I'm working with that are going to, you know, collaborate and help on those things. It's all organized. Uh, and then I just start kind of chipping at it. Um, I'll do like kind of like a vertical slice in a way, but for a book. So it's like, okay, this is like what the format of the book looks like. If it's something where it's like maps and every page kind of has a theme, this is like, I want to get one spread at, done really well. So it feels good. Okay. Now can I carry this over like a template, but how am I going to change it up? Right. And so it's consistent um if that first one's good then the rest should follow do i want to do something different this time i'm always trying to push myself a little more right i want it to be better than the one before um not just in terms of like paper quality and like you know like size like i've gone with bigger books lately because i feel like they're just richer and easier to soak in all the color images but also like layouts and like the the fleet feel and the flow um maybe i want one layout to be based on you know it's it's final fantasy 6 so you better have like a big opening for that chapter, right? Or okay, but these littler games, like they have a different look and feel. They're kind of sprinkled together. They're they're part of a collage, so that's a different look and feel. 
And then along the way, like I'm in like a like a private Slack with like a bunch of friends, some former game devs like myself, some uh, just you know people I know and respect and enjoy my time with. And I get feedback. I'll I'll paste an image. What do you think of this? Like tear it apart. What do you think about what I wrote here? Um, what like who else should I get involved? Like what do you think about what this person wrote? You know, this isn't me. Like what do you think about this? And that feedback is extremely valuable. You have to be willing to like take people's feedback and criticism because otherwise you get tunnel vision. Um, and then right. you put something out and you print something, you know, like you do a big print run, you better feel pretty good about it. Um, which leads me to the next point. It's like, yeah, you gotta, you're figuring out who you're going to work with with your printers. Um, you know, what's their lead time? What, you know, am I doing a pre-order this time or am I doing a surprise release? So that's going to dictate the timeline a lot back to your original question. Like if I'm doing like, I'm going to stock this up and I'm going to just surprise everyone. You know, I can kind of get that, that manufacturing um, order out. I can start working on something else in the meantime while that's happening. Um, Or do I want to do a pre-order? I tend to do the former more because I like to surprise people. Um, Mm -hmm. I've actually never done a Kickstarter before. um, Not because I have like an aversion to it, but mostly because I have a site. It's dedicated. Everything's direct to consumer. I have the financial backing. Everything's humming along. I, you know, again, I like to surprise people. I think it's kind of fun to be surprised and being like, this is available right now, starting this second. Um, yeah. There's something kind of fun about that, but pre-ordering's nice. It's good to get signal. I, I, I'm assuming a lot of people use Kickstarter, even if they don't need the financial backing. It's just kind of nice to kind of like rally behind. It's fun. You know, there's, it's almost gamified in a way, right? Um, uh, maybe in the future, I'll do something like that. It's fun to do like add-ons and all that kind of stuff. But for now, I'm not. Um, and yeah, I mean... I, it's hard to answer your question with a timeline, but like <laughs> we're probably talking like give or take, you know, six months for a book, plus or minus, okay. um, kind of a thing, but not much minus, probably more plus right. on that. Okay. But everything's kind of like parallel tracks. It's like, I'm like, I'm never blocked. I'm like, okay, I'm working right. on this. I'm waiting for something from someone. I got everything else done. Okay, I'm gonna work on the interview then. Let's do the interview. Okay. Now that other person unblocked me, let's keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, I got to do some promotion. I got to like restock this. I got to like, I got to run something by the editor, right? There's always something to do. There's never a shortage. Like we talked about game backlog. Like I have like a retro game books backlog of like, how do I (laughs) build the brand? How do I like get people what they want? Maybe throw out a fun promotion just because it's fun to be like, Hey, this is on discount. Like, yeah, jump on it. Why not? Those kind of things. Yeah. And even you were saying that like it's probably more plus, but when I was listening to you talk, one thing that stuck stuck out to me is that you don't have a. It has to be done by X. You don't essentially. I might be wrong in assuming this, but by sounds of it, you don't give yourself a hard deadline. It's I'm working on it, and when it's done, it's done. Cool. Is there? Do you have hard deadlines for yourself, or is it just more like when it's done, it's done? It's more of when it's done, it's done. However, I do set like mini milestones for myself. Like I'll say, I'll say, here's some public now things I want to do right out in the Mm -hmm. world, like a giveaway contest, whatever it is. Like I want to do that this week, but also I want to like, if I'm, let's say I'm doing a layout, I'm like, I want to get a two page layout done every day for the next two months. Like that's just a personal goal. Um, And then I set the next goals and I kind of go from there. I feel like I work at a a pretty fast pace. So I don't feel like I, uh, and at any risk of like dragging things out, I actually feel unsatisfied if I don't keep moving um, just really? with anything in life. Yeah. Like even like when I was a game dev, 
in my spare time, I'd go home and maybe I'd play Counter-Strike for an hour. And then I'd sit and I'd make a map or a level for Counter-Strike for the next two hours because I, I wanted to feel creatively stimulated. And that, mm-hmm. that like rounded out my day. Like I made Left 4 Dead 2 campaigns and all that stuff. They're all things that are out there for free. I needed to do those things. I've always had like these kind of like creative outlets. Um, this is obviously much more serious than something like that, but I still have the same, I apply the same drive and commitment. And so I don't, I don't need those, but but I, but I increasingly so I'm, I'm setting more and more um, markers. Um, now, if I'm working with someone on, let's say they pitch and we decide to work together, there is a contract and there's mm-hmm. milestones associated with like deliverables. Um, but that's just more of like table stakes, like, you know, book writing um, and more of like a personal goal of saying like, let's get this captured in this year, like end to end, right? It's just having it encapsulated within one calendar year, I feel like it's just, it's just neater. It, it tends to be a little right. neater if possible, but I would never want to rush someone either. I would never say you need to meet right. my pace. The yeah, quality yeah. is going to be way more important than me just yeah. wanting to get something out. Yeah. And I mean, I write for, I write for magazines. I do my own stuff. I'm trying to get st- stuff done my myself and personally. And I, I, it's weird. Cause there are times where I, I don't know for me personally, as a writer, we're setting the self-imposed like, homework goals if that makes sense like the homework due date Mm -hmm. like for me if i have a set due date there are times where it's like cool i have like a month to get this done i'll think about it and it's not until the day before it's due where the procrastination kicks in because there are i cannot tell you how many times i don't know this also has to do with like my full-time job and other stuff that goes on in my life where i want to sit down and work on something that's like i need to get this done and i'm staring at my computer screen and i'm just like why can't keyboard go burr? Why can't sure. sound move? I mean, and but then, you're like, talking about very... writing specifically, like yeah, writing specifically. Yeah, yeah. But writing is hard. Like that's it that's, is. I think I think writing is the hardest thing about any of the things I am personally involved in in any of these projects. But I also like. So I still don't think of myself as a writer. I think of myself as more of like creative type. Um, I even struggle to call myself an artist and all those things. Like I'm running the business most of all, but. Writing is hard. It's like the hardest thing, especially just that 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 starting point, putting that first word yeah. down. But and I feel that way about all these projects. Like the hardest thing is just getting started. And like when anyone asks for advice, so like how do you start something even like this or related to this in any way? It's like you just have to like rip the bandaid off. Like just start right. Like like with writing, right? Yeah. You just have to start typing. It's like and then it'll kind of find its way. And that's easier said than done. But I don't know. I feel like that's no, that's no. just the only way to do it. I would say it's a, it's very different for every other person. Like every person, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like you were like you would play Counter Strike for an hour, then all of a sudden it's like, no, I want to do more stuff. You would go and um, you go create Counter Strike maps. You do all these other things for two hours because it's like you have an idea and then you act on it. I cannot tell you how many times I would be at my job, my regular job. I would think of just all all these ideas, all these amazing things, because it's a very monotonous job. I'm just trying to keep myself entertained and not constantly stare at the clock or stare at my watch and go, hurry up, I want to go home. And then when I finally do get home, I'm just so exhausted. I'm just so tired. And it's either, even when I'm like, all right, I'm going to give myself a break. I'm going to play video games for for like an hour and a half, two hours maybe, and then I'll go to bed. And next, like 30 minutes in, I'm asleep on the couch and I'm like, what? Oh, I, I, I'm just going to go to sleep. Or I wake up and I see I'm walking my character into a wall. And that's been <laughs> happening for like 10 minutes because I fell asleep. And it's, 
it yeah because you're absolutely right it is hard and it's also very different and because there are times where i tell myself like i just need to write like x map pages every day no matter if it's garbage i'll fix it later but even just getting to like a page is some of the hardest things in the world or there are times where i write a page in 20 minutes yeah it's yeah it is yeah and and i find like the easiest things to work on i mean this is such an obvious statement but it's the things we're most passionate about right oh yeah if you're excited about it it'll probably come naturally if you're like if it feels like work it's probably not very fun it's going to be a grind right that's just the way it works and there have been times where i've been i've done articles where they did feel like uh work or i'm like not really the biggest fan or I wouldn't say the biggest fan of the thing I'm wor- working on, but something I'm just not 100% into or something that I'm learning for the first time. There have been some pieces I've written where it's like, you know what? No, I, at first I wasn't too big on this project, on this assignment. And then the more I went into it, the more I had fun with it. And there are also have been times where I was so excited to write a certain piece. And then when I finally get done with it, I look back on it, I go, huh, I could have done better. Or it's like, you know what? That I, I don't like this as much anymore. This kind of bums mm-hmm. me out. And yeah, then, I mean, course, the, which is that's the problem though with anything creative, right? You always feel yeah. like you could do more and better, and like putting pencil down is, I feel like, is mm-hmm. one of the hardest things about any of the stuff we're talking about. Yeah, but then of course the, I go back to things like, oh, so what do you want to do with your life? I want to do this. It's like, but it causes you so much pain and anguish. I'm like, yeah, I know. I still love it. Yeah, it's. It, I, I think about that with this business sometimes. It's like obviously it's a business, but I also want it to be fun and. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to some like people that like do somewhat similar things or like maybe more of like a side thing. And like the moment where it stops feeling fun, that's like when that's when their motivation starts to really drop. Right. Because Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I got into this for it to be fun. If the excitement's starting to wane or you're just feeling like you're out of ideas, you're too tired. Right. Um, You know, that can that can that can cripple your uh, motivation and creativity. Um, Yeah. But that's also why, like for me. Like, well, I, I still feel like I'm having fun doing layouts and all that hands-on stuff, but then like bringing in other people's um, work as a purchase order and working with other writers, that's keeping it super fresh and fun and allowing it to feel like there's all this diversity. So like continuing to diversify is like what's keeping it fresh for me. Right. And even, and I can't tell you like the biggest, the highest highs I feel after like when I finish a piece myself for like a magazine or there's an idea that I've had and I finally put pen to, I finally sit down and I start typing it up because there have been times where I've gone on big writing binges and I've loved every single second of it. And I had an amazing, t- and even though it just, it's just me sitting at a computer, but I'm talking but I'm writing about this thing that I'm really passionate about, or I'm doing research or even when I'm looking up research, I'm looking up notes and, for certain things you're it's 100 true i have an amazing time it's like i'm writing a research paper for college but it's something that i want to write about and i'm having fun it's not like hey you need to write this uh this i was that weird kid in school where whenever the te- the teachers and professors there say you need to write an essay the rest of the class would groan and i would perk up i'm like essay you say okay i can do this yeah that's so fun. I mean, I was definitely uh, on the other side of the table. I was the groaning side. I, it's funny because, like, I was a film, I was a film major, and even still, you think like film, you just must watch movies. It's just like when people say like you worked in video games, you must have just played games all day. It's like, well, no. It's like actually, it kind of ruins some of the things you love in a way. Um, and a lot of film writing was like about theory, and it was really dense and in a way that I actually appreciate more now than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was one of those like night before I'm going to write it, which is like not how I am with 
the other stuff we're talking about. It's just it for me. It's all about like how exciting it is, you know. Even though my my degree is technically radio production, on what it says on my actual degree from Cal State Northridge is cinema and television arts. So I also went to film school. I took those prerequisite film classes, and I was they were talking about theory. They were talking about all like the digging into the film film itself and. Don't get me wrong. There are some fantastic movies I was able to watch in my classes because it's like, hey, this is what we're talking about. This is what this film did differently. And then there are other films that I despise so much because I found them so boring and I hated them so much. But all yeah. the air quote film snobs were like, oh, this piece is about the, the the tragedy of, you know, just saying all these other stuff. And I'm just sitting there going. I hate this movie. It sucks. Right. I mean, also, it's art. Art is subjective. Yeah. Some people are going to oh, yeah. love it, and some are going to hate it. So you're you're guaranteed to be to run into some some stinkers. Oh, yeah, hundred no. yeah, percent. Like I I was one of my favorite personal fights or air quote fights, not fist fights, verbal arguments. I would get into some of the film snobs is uh, like I would talk about how much I liked the Michael Bay Transformers films, at least two out of three at the time. Oh, I I heard you say that on one of your other episodes, and I was I was oh, trying to just, like. Because like I'm not I'm not a fan of Michael Bay too much, but I'm I am completely in your corner on like what you were saying. It's like if this is popcorn entertainment, let the person enjoy it. That's totally okay. Oh, oh you caught me <laughs> off guard there. I was not expecting you to say that. Holy shit! <laughs> because Thank I used you. to make fun of Michael Bay and like you know oh, all no, the I'll... stuff he was doing, but like it's like I'm like he, but I, I had a roommate who loved all of his movies, and I'm like that's great. You should love them. Yeah. You know, I, I don't love all of his movies like Transformers 2. I'm like, <laughs> but like the first, the third, I go there. I'm not going there to like for me with with film, with like movies and film. I go there to be entertained. That's like my hardcore, yep. like just like games. Games are for fun. Are you exactly, having fun? Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, if I'm like, let's take a derailing the video games to talk about film for a hot second. Like the most, the most recent film that I've seen that I absolutely in, enjoyed, like hardcore loved, and I'm kind of mad it didn't get more Oscar nominations than it did, Godzilla Minus One. So I haven't seen it yet, and I, I have a lot of friends who are like, they can't believe I haven't seen it yet. Go uh, go see it. If you have I know, chance. and now there's like a black and white version and all this. It's like, I and I would like to see it in a movie theater, and I, I think it's oh, still yeah. kind of in some theaters still maybe, um, and I really, really need to. If you can see it in theater, I would highly recommend. Now, I'm not saying go see it in color, go see it in black and white first. doesn't matter. But, mm. I mean, I would like to go see it again in black and white, personally. But the fact that they just kept extending the, the theatrical run because it was, as audiences here in North America were just constantly love going to see it. And they constantly praise it because it's like it's one of those things where it's a foreign film. It's kind of like what happened with Dragon Ball Z Bro or Dragon Ball Super Broly, how so many people went to go see Broly and the studio kept extending it because it's like, we'll just put it out for like two weekends. No one's only the diehard fans. All of a sudden, general audiences are going to go see this movie. They're like, what did we do? It's kind right. of like that. Yeah, but I, with God, I, I will. I, I will definitely see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, once it comes out on Blu ray, I'm buying it. So I'm like, take my money, please. But Going on to Godzilla minus one, yes, it is entertaining, but also it brings a great message and it has that 
it reminds you like, yes, Godzilla is a monster movie, but it's not like the popcorn monster movies that we have, which are fun. I do enjoy the monster films like Godzilla versus Kong, King of the Monsters, because, yeah, I like seeing big monsters fight. But then when you see Godzilla minus one, it's a it's taking this pop culture icon and returning it back to its roots of what it originally was. And or at least not to what it originally was, but bringing a new spin on it is like, this is what Godzilla could mean. And it's not just like, yay, fun monster fighting other fun monster. It's like, no, Godzilla was originally created as a metaphor. And here we are right. using it as right. a metaphor again. Just like what Hideki Anno did with Shin Godzilla. It was a metaphor for natural disasters. And the newest director, whose name completely escapes my mind, was using Godzilla as a metaphor for survivor's guilt. And, and the film is just fantastic. And yes, it's a fun popcorn movie. You're on the edge of your seat. The second you hear the traditional Godzilla music, you just go, I'm in. You, it, it, it pumps you up. Even if you're not a Godzilla fan, this movie is definitely the movie to show you. It's like, look, if, you're, if you scorn Godzilla because of the Monsterverse, Monsterverse films, this will change your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to see it for sure. But yeah, uh, for me, 10 out of 10, definitely go see it. For me, I want to go see it again, but I probably won't. But it's going to be, I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. I'm going to buy it whatever I can on physical because I want to support that movie. And that movie was just so good. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, what was I talking about before I went to my Godzilla rant? <laughs> Hit me, oh, what do you got? Oh my goodness gracious. All right. So um, you were talking about um, when you were talking about your process about the timeline, you did mention um, working with others. Now I can only assume like you're not, when you say you don't want to be that type of person like you have to have it done by this day, which I could only assume like the major publishers do that. Um, what is your, I want to talk more about working with others. Cause like you said, you have other books on your website, like the final fantasy book, the 32 bit books that are, where you're you put out but you did not write those mm-hmm. what was and you were saying about working with other writers is more fresh and it keeps things interesting and fun what are some of your i would say what are some of your experiences with working with others as in yeah um obviously you're going to keep doing it you have a pitch submissions uh thing on your on your website and we'll talk about that in a little bit but essentially when you make a contract uh is there like a specific, like you set up milestones? What put me through the pro walk me through the process of getting it thrown from contract to finished product. How much do you, I don't want to say interfere, but how much do you help? Or does the writer come up to you and ask for help? Essentially what's the, is it all complete? Is it, does it all depend on the person or do you have like, Hey, this is the system I work with. Are you okay with working with the system? And here's some areas where we could bend the rules a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like collaborators go, I, there's a couple of categories, right? There's mm-hmm. the people where it's like a purchase order. There's like those books that are on the site. They're either self-published or through an actual uh, other publisher. And so those purchase orders are placed just to, just to um, you know, build up the site and have more things that like uh, fit the theme. And uh, those people are that you see there, those are, um, those are people I've, I've talked to before. So like the people mm-hmm. whose work I respect and, you know, like, um, there's some people like Kurt from Hardcore Gaming 101 who wrote the Ford for the Rygar book. So it's like, that's how we first got connected. There's like, you know, people I've, I've met and talked to at gaming conventions and stuff. So it's like, that's kind of how those things happen, but it, those are purchase orders. Those are the, their own mm-hmm. category. And then there's, there's collaborators, right? And that's, that's a big spectrum. So that could be as simple as like, 
hey, yeah, you can feature my art, whatever. Treat, treat it like it's a magazine, whatever. Just make sure I get credit. Make sure you point back to me. I always make sure there's like a URL, the person's name, like everything there to like drive the traffic back to that person as best as possible. Spotlight mm -hmm. them on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then there's people that are actually um, commissioned, right? So like cover artists and some of the other art that you might see in some of the books as well. Um, so that is like an actual deal, but those are pretty simple deals. It's like we, we tend to agree on like a flat rate, um, a rough idea. Um, with those, I try to give people a lot of like creative freedom because I feel like that's mm -hmm. where the best work comes out. It has to right. fit certain guardrails, right? It's like pixel art Metroid is one of the books. Obviously, it needs to feature like Samus should probably be on the cover. You know, I, I'm saying things like I don't want the word Samus on the cover. I don't you know what I mean? Like, but like, let's get let's get Samus in there. Do you want to put a big baddie in there? You know, a Ridley, whatever. Do you want to like where's where's the location? What's the what's the kind of perspective, the colors, the suit? It can be anything you want. Like if it was about NES only, I'd say it's got to be the NES suit, but it's not. Right. So you're, they're not restricted. And usually what we do is um, with those covers, the artist will say, okay, here's my rough drawing. They might even say like, here's three directions I can go. Like we did that mm -hmm. with uh, someone I worked with on a different book and they, they'll let me kind of pick from there. I even have with one artist, um, I sent them a really bad drawing on a napkin. I said, I don't know, something <laughs> like this, but whatever you want. And they kind of went with my napkin drawing. That's fine. They just did a thousand times better than my napkin drawing. Um, but we just kind of go from Ain't there. Nothing and nothing like, wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with napkin drawings. It's fine. It's, I would it, never publish this drawing though, for what it, <laughs> no, one, no one will ever see it um, unless I can sign it and sell it for a hundred bucks or something, but I'd probably get like 20 cents. <laughs> um, anyway, we go through a few milestones. Like, you know, here's the roughed out drawing. Here's the black and white. So the equivalent here it is. It's, I'm about to finish it. You know, artists are kind of like, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to send you, you know, the PSD. I'm going to send you like the high DPI file are we done? Like they want to know, cause I don't want to be one of those, those bad, um, you know, partners that says, Oh no, it's been a couple of weeks, but can you change this? Like, I never want to do that to someone. It's right. super unfair. So I'm taking it seriously. And then we kind of lock it in um, and hopefully work together in the future. So that's covers. Um, when it comes to like writing and those kind of things, um, it's different. Um, so, you know, when people pitch book ideas, like I'm talking about like original ideas, uh, again, I mentioned earlier, like something niche, something original, you know, something that has a theme that's easy to follow. It's not just I'm writing the history about Mario. Uh, that's cool, but I guarantee someone has done that before. And there are people out there. There's like, you know, Boss Fight Books, there's Jeremy Parrish, there's all these There's Hardcore Gaming 101. They do great work. And it's all a little different. Like, I don't want to step on their toes. I actually respect these people. I've met a lot of these people and I think they're awesome and uh, influential. I want to carve out a different, you know, thing. I want to, I want to all feel like together, all these things should all be in your library and you feel good about having them all on your shelf together. Right. So with the writing, it needs to be unique in some way. Now, everything on my site, with the exception of the, um, the final fantasy one, which was a purchase order, everything else is full color, like, you know, great paper. Like most of them now are like magazine size, but much thicker, right? Like mm -hmm. big, big boys and they're getting bigger and bigger. Um, but the pitches do not need to be with the, with full color in mind, they can be black and white. They can be text only. It's kind of like, it depends on what you pitch. I think once you pitch it, we kind of have to work it out. It's very, it's going to be like an organic process where we kind of decide together. Okay. What do you want to do? Why do you want to do that? Like, does this need imagery? Like, does this, does, does it kind of carry itself on its own with the words? 
Um, because if it's just the words, we could probably do a lower price point. We can get this out faster. Like, is that appealing to both sides? Like, let's let's talk it out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the amount of chapters, the themes of those chapters, which the chapters tend to be the milestones, but like right. that helps us kind of like figure out what we want to do. Um, do you know someone that you want to nominate for the forward? Because it would be great if it's someone that you feel connected to. Is it someone that you think of as a mentor, someone who influenced you, someone you're connected to? If not, I can find someone. That's great. But like, it would be really cool if you have someone in mind. Like, I really want to yeah. know who that person is. Um, and so art, the artist has a lot of freedom. And when I say artist, I mean writer or artist. Um, but, you know, we definitely have milestones. We definitely like, we don't want this. I don't want this to be something that like drags on for five years. I don't think that's good for right, anyone. Right. Um, also, like, I want to make, sh- uh, you know, I'll have like a, you know, a completion bonus based on the timeline, just as an incentive. But that's more of like, just so we can not have this thing be this long winded thing. It's really, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. but more important is that it's unique, creative. You feel like you got everything in there. You really want to get in there. It's hard to put pencils down. You have to. Is there a revised version in the future? There could be. Like, I'm not. I'm not opposed to second editions. You know, um, I did a second edition for the Rygar book. Uh, I think the thing to be uh, just on a slight tangent here. Like, the thing to be careful about that is you don't really. I think it's dangerous to put out a second edition too soon after the first edition. I think it. It can. Oh, yeah. To some people, that might be like, oh, I want all the editions. I'll just keep buying it up. Other people might think, oh, I missed out on 20 pages. Like. Why didn't you just wait longer? Um, but if it's a year later, two years later, it's enough time's gone by. It's not a big deal. But those are things I would want to at least think about. Um, but also, it's it's art. It's an expression in time. You don't need a second edition. You can also just say, like, right. this is what I made for this moment. You should appreciate it in the moment. Yeah. I would also say that with second – because you mentioned – because when you mentioned – shout out to Boss Fight Books because uh, the head editor – I have so yeah. many of their books – yeah uh gabe he was actually a guest on the show a few episodes ago so shout out to them uh because i asked him about second editions because with books like boss fight or even with books like the rygar you say you put out a second edition i can only imagine there have the reason why a second edition was put out is because new information comes to light after the book comes out um case in point uh my fiance she convinced me to buy this book at barnes and noble one day called the game console by evan amos well, i'm pretty sure are you aware of this at all yeah i've seen i have it on my shelf yes there it is yeah <laughs> i'm looking yeah, at it's, it <laughs> it's right here too i have like yeah a, there's there's uh, two editions of this one right yeah um yeah because i have the first edition and then of course there was game console 2.0 which i could only imagine that when he first made the book sometime goes by more consoles came out or he was able to get photos of different ones and he's like well there's more content here i have to put out a second one and he does say he's like this is 2.0 there's more stuff added the original stuff is still in there and when i see them like i when i saw that i'm like i wasn't upset because enough time has passed but i do see where you're coming from i see where you're coming from is like but if we are to do a second edition put it out like a year later put it out or not a year later but like put it out like a few years after the fact but sometimes if more information comes to light, I can only imagine how much anger or not anger, maybe frustration is the right word that you or someone else would have. It's like the book is out, it's done. And all of a sudden, damn it, new information has just un- got unsurfaced. Like say uh, for like just at a hypothetically, the Video Game History Foundation was do- got uh, a bunch of uh, insider um, materials from some developer 
and that developer is directly linked to this book. And now all of a sudden it's like, this is so much information I didn't know beforehand. And I'm mad that I didn't, wasn't able to put in the book the first time. Darn it. Yeah. And, and it might feel like an injustice not to, co- to include mm-hmm. it. And in my case, there's two books I've done second edition. So that's uh Rygar and pixel art Metroid. And mm-hmm. there was no new information per se um, because especially with Rygar. I mean, Rygar has been like a defunct series for many, many years now, which is why, you know, people like yourself and others are like, what even is that? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it was more like people, there was some hype. People were talking about the book and, and they share stuff and they're like, Oh, have you seen this? Or I just happened to stumble on something else. Um, you know, and I just feel like I got to pack it in. Like the music stuff I mentioned earlier with Rygar was like a later edition. There was more artists that were like, Oh, I missed the boat. I want, I'd love to feature my art in the art gallery. Okay. Like, if there's enough, it's worth doing another edition. Mm-hmm. Same with Pixel Art Metroid. There was more artists. Um, like that book, uh, for example, it's a it's a gallery of of modern pixel artists. So there's it's not mm-hmm. the old pixel art. It's all this like new fresh takes on, on right. Metroid as a series. But you know, I also have like some interviews. I have like a pixel art tutorial in there. Like I commissioned someone to write a tutorial for that, like step by step. Some other kind of like fun bits like that. Um, but like the gallery, like it just expanded enough that it felt like, um, it could go up, um, side note, like a cool fun fact about the Metroid book is, um, the creator of Owlboy, which is another really cool pixel art based, uh, modern, modern ish game. Um, he wrote the, uh, forward for that book because it's like, it's not about Metroid, it's about pixel art in this case, right? Cause that's what the series is intended to be. If I carry it forward. Um, and his for is his, uh, his forward is beautiful. I probably should just post it online just so everyone can read it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are the two that we did second editions on. And, uh, um, I think I'm pretty sure it was just those two from what I remember. That is, that is way too cool. That's because I cannot tell you how many, t- like going through Instagram, you know, social media in general, I would see, I would see a bunch of accounts of people creating this beautiful pixel art. And mm. I, it makes me happy that pixel art, especially with video, um, with indie video games nowadays, like Sea Stars. We talked about Sea Stars a lot in the very beginning of this episode. The, one of the things that drew me to Sea Stars was the pixel art. One of the things that's drawing me to um, Star Ocean Second Story R, or even um, the first game, which I have downloaded on my PS5, is the fact that it's 2D, it's an HD 2.5D game. Whereas, yes, 3D backgrounds, but your characters are in pixel our sprites mm-hmm. that, that's and, like octopath traveler has that yeah octopath well. Tra- yeah. yeah octopath yeah. traveler and a bunch of other square enix games are doing that now or even when i'm playing final Fantasy 16 yes the main action is all 3d rendered beautiful graphics but in the menus they have like here are these characters if they were the original sprites from past final fantasy games like they're not forgetting their roots and i love how when you're talking about the retro uh, the metroid retroid the metroid book which is a cool name, by the way. Uh, yeah. I'm going to trademark that. You can't have it. Oh. No! <laughs> well, at least, give me, at least give me a cut, please. <laughs> um, uh, but you have someone in the Metroid pixel art books like, hey, if you want to make pixel art, here you go. This is how we do it. And the cool thing about that is, like, yes, there's, I would say, like, with a bunch of pixel artists or with artists in general, is that they're shown a certain way, but then they find something that works for them. Uh, even mm-hmm. with us writers, like if it's like if, if you have a writer say you this is the right way to write, this is how you have to write it, but that's not right for that's right for them, but it's not right for everyone. Yeah, it's like so other people that's like oh, but this is my process, or 
or other people like, oh, this is how I'm able to do these books and or, or this is how I do my research and so on and so forth. So I love how there's like a, a tutorial on how to start, but then the rest of it is all up to you. I think that's really yeah. gorgeous. And also, yeah. and, there is, and also there is no right or wrong. You're right. Yeah, 100%. And even then, just the fact that there's a book full of like original Metroid pixel art is just fantastic because when I played through all the Metroid games, well, not all of them, uh, I didn't play other M, but I did play all the 2D side-scrollers in preparation for Dread. Metroid became one of my favorite franchises of all time. And just being, and just like seeing the pixel art from Super Metroid to Metroid uh, Fusion, or even like the 3D graphics of Samus Returns, because I played that on my 3DS, the whole, every, all the pixel art is just like, this is just gorgeous. This is absolutely yeah. stunning. And then you got that cosplayer who was at MAGFest last a few weeks ago, pixel art mother brain, just like a full on walking sprite. It's like, how do you do this? It's pretty cool. And I mean, there's something you're touching on that I think I've been thinking about a lot lately that makes me just really appreciate the direction games have been going lately, which is that it's 2024 and we're still creating brand new games based on pixel art. And obviously they're not like the majority of the market, but it just shows that there's young and old people alike who are willing to dive into something that I worried, and I'm sure many others, like was going to just be a thing of the past. Like I thought it was going to be retro gaming meant only playing eight and 16 bit games or however you want to define it. Um, I didn't expect it was going to be like, I could play these modern takes like the CS stars and the owl boys um, of the world. Um, and it just makes me just, it just gives me a warm feeling inside. Like it makes me happy. Like to know that like there's still this deep appreciation. It's the it's, it's the aesthetic. It looks beautiful that you can create something that you just can't do otherwise, right? It's not a CRT versus modern TV kind of argument. It's just like no pixel art is beautiful. Like however you mm -hmm. look at it, and it's that plus the gameplay that lends itself to pixel art style games. Like it, they are just fun games, and you don't. You even have games like, like you mentioned, like Metroid Dread. It's not, it, it's, it is 3D, but it's a side scrolling. It's a fixed perspective and it just feels like an old game. So you also can go that direction and still feel like you're playing an older game. And like, I, you know, the Prince of Persia game, like these things that are still happening. Right. Um, yeah. And Shovel Knight and all these other great things. It's just like, it just makes me so happy that there's such, there's still a momentum behind that, that movement. Uh, going back on pixel art and just pixel games, even by bigger developers or bigger publishers, I could not tell you how excited I was when Sonic Mania was announced. Mm. 16 bit stuff, like even when they were like Christian Whitehead and the team behind and Headcan, the team behind Sonic Media, they said it's like we wanted that. I mean, yes, this is going to run on modern consoles, obviously. But when they said they wanted to look like a mix between the 16 bit Genesis at its best along with Sega Saturn graphics, because the special stages are, they look like they belong on the Sega Saturn. 100% nailed it. And while, yes, it's the best Sonic game in the past 10, 15, or the best rated Sonic game in the past 10, 15 years, it is, it is just one of those games that I feel like kind of put the gaming industry on its head, whereas like, here's a game that looked like it should have come out in 1995, 1996, whatever, on a cartridge, and it's this well-received, it's this well-beloved, and it sold as well as it did. Even people like me, I shouldn't have double-dipped, but I double-dipped. I had it uh, on the PS4, now I'm the PS5, and I bought it on the Switch because 
I mean, look, Sega doing what it is like it's digital only, and then it's like, okay, we're gonna put a, a physical copy out with all the DLC. As much as I hate it when they do that, the fact that we still have it on a digital on a on a physical cartridge with a reversible cover, making it like this is a Genesis game. Here, let's make it look like a Genesis game that people are gonna want. I fall for it. I hate it. I hate that I do, but I do. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I yeah, I um a couple of years ago i almost put out one of my books that are that's like the manga size i wanted to put it in like a like an nes like box because and i found a guy who like makes them I mean, there's people out there right like you don't need like oh, a yeah. big, big manufacturer to do these kind of things anymore i designed uh the full thing like laid out um but the size was going to be different it's te- it technically wouldn't have been the same size and there's something about that that maybe just not do it um mm-hmm. i still find a way to do it like maybe like put a bunch of goodies you know and that like you know like a sticker bundle and scratcher cards or bookmarks or whatever in, in a box like just something to do that um but instead uh, a lot of the backs uh, for the ones i design uh, i'll make them look like they're the, the back of an nes game or the back of a genesis yeah. game um just because it's yeah. kind of fun you flip it over and you feel like you're holding it again um yeah i, I just I love the looks of those yeah even like when what other books do it? I uh, I know we know Dark Horse is a giant publisher. They have a bunch of I won't lie. Dark Horse has done really good when they put out video game style books like the the Final Fantasy Ultimate Archives. They have mm-hmm. the, they produce the the Mario um, Encyclopedia Sonic and the Zelda books like Hyrule Historia, the art book. I have the Legend of Zelda Encyclopedia, but I dropped eighty dollars on the special edition one because it's the gold cartridge. And it's in the NES sleeve. And even when I took it out, there was a little instruction booklet that came with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I have I have that one. It's it was it was like a must buy. My, <laughs> I just had to buy it. I, I don't know how far back you listened to the the episodes, but my friends call me nostalgia's bitch for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, my business is called Retro Game Books. I mean, I am yeah. selling nostalgia, <laughs> uh, obviously with like a modern take. Um, I am a very nostalgic person and it brings oh, yeah. me a lot of joy. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that there's like, a, I mean, yes, the book, the quality of the book, absolutely stunning. I absolutely love it. I'm so glad I was able to buy the special edition, not to throw shade at the regular edition. The regular edition is is great. It goes with all the other, um, the covers for the Hyrule books. But Man, just the fact that it's like, here's the original gold cartridge for The Legend of Zelda, and it look and it's well made. It comes with the dust sleeve and everything. It's like, God damn it, you got me. You freaking got me. Yeah. Even the, I mean, even the it's um, good. The, yeah, my Sonic book, my Sonic Encyclopedia is over there because I have I you know I keep buying these books. I don't have a whole lot of room. I'm trying to uh, move stuff around. But when my uh, one of my co-hosts Sparks, when he bought me the Sonic Encyclopedia. He made sure they gave me the special one, and the cover is just all these screenshots of all the Sonic games covered in the book. I'm like, this is just too freaking cool. This is so awesome. I love this. I love it when uh when um I love it when people who actually have a true passion for it's like, hey, let's put some let's I mean, yes, not to completely praise giant corporations, but <laughs> like with, with retro game books, you obviously put a lot of love and passion into it. You put a lot of love and passion into every single project that you yourself put or other people put in. There's there's the passion is there. And when I see stuff like even when Dark Horse puts out, it's like you can tell that there's people on that team. It's like, what can we do to make this fun? This is what we can do. And they do it. It just makes yeah. me happy because there are people out there. It's like, 
I love doing stuff like, like like this. Let's go. Like even when uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog two movie came out, they had a poster that resembled the game cart, the game cover. They knew their audience. They understood the assignment. They're like, the fact that we got the movie was like hallelujah. But then it's like, no, no, we know what you guys want. Here you go. Yeah, and similar with the Super Mario movie. Like even if people think it's too kitty or criticize the voice acting or whatever it is that people might not like about it, like they put so many Easter eggs mm-hmm. into that. I got a three-year-old, so I've seen it um, a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, I notice something different each time that it's mm-hmm. on, even if it's just more in the background, like a few, you know, 30 minutes before bed kind of thing. I'm like, oh, oh, that's so cool. It says level one, two when they're going into yeah. the sewers at the beginning. Like, yeah. I pro- I might have missed that the first time, but like there's so many things like that. And like they're doing that for the fans. Like they don't have to do that for kids. They, they they don't notice that stuff. That's for that's for the fans that have been around longer. And so, I appreciate those kind of details. That's, and it, that's it for us. Want, I, yeah, it's for us. And like I, I'm assuming people making these things are fans, and that you feel it when they do things like that. It, it's it's important. Yeah, I mean, I I have my criticisms of the Mario movie, but as a whole, I still enjoy the movie. I watched it again. When I, I, was I think it's pretty good. I mean, seeing I, it twenty I, times, I don't really like yeah. it anymore. <laughs> I mean. I mean, in the two times I had, because I saw it in theaters, and then I saw it again when it came out on Netflix, and I'm like, after I was watching it a second time, I was like, you know what? I still have fun with this movie. I mean, Jack mm-hmm. Black is still, like, the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I like how I mean, uh, Bowser almost, like, doesn't he kind of, like, visually resemble him? There's, like, something about his face. I feel like they, like, try to almost make it look like Jack Black, and I, I appreciate that. Bit. It's, like, just, like, I a do. little bit in the in the eyes and the cheeks yeah. or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, it, it definitely is because like when I first saw the trailer and it like um the very first teaser trailer where he's trying to get the superstar and he goes, do you you? And he goes, I do not. And you it, like, I could like, that's Jack Black. Like, yeah, it's him rendered as Bowser was like, that is Jack mother effing you, Black. You feel it for sure. You do. You truly. And just the fact that he's just gone off on do, uh, performing Peaches live at so many different things. It's just he is having so much fun with it. It just makes me happy because he you can tell that he had a blast recording this movie and he had a blast promoting this movie. And because he's having such a fun time with it, I have such a fun time with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Although I'm still don't I will still not forgive Illumination for taking out Brian Tyler's score in the the Kong part, because if you listen to the soundtrack, there's a song in the soundtrack called Driving Me Bananas, where Brian Tyler, the composer of the movie puts all i mean obviously the whole film the music of the film the real music of the film not the pop songs mm-hmm. he puts in nintendo music they are like go ham and that man went ham and the fact that they took out of uh, the donkey kong music and instead replaced it with take on me i'm still mad at them for it yeah i that definitely pulled me out a little bit i mean the pop music like it's it's not like a, it's not a waste it's not necessarily bad or wrong but it's like it could have been something classic instead. And so that like, to your point is what is a little upsetting. And you can hear like little motifs and stingers of sounds every now and then that are like playbacks of certain melodies. And that's cute. But when it's like five seconds, it's a little, it feels like a disservice and it's unfortunate. I yeah. mean, listening to, listening to the song driving me bananas, like you, it's not just the first level from Donkey Kong Country. It's that and the opening do 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 do. You know where Cranky Kong is playing with the melody player or the mm-hmm. record player. Plus, like he, Donkey he, Kong Country is like one of the great yeah. like those the first. I mean, like they're all great soundtracks. Like 
Oh yeah. Well composed music, right? Yeah. And the fact that he was given access because normally Nintendo, they put that crap under lock and key. It's like anyone who puts like, it's like, Hey, this is for free. I want people to listen to this on YouTube. Next thing you know, you get, they get a C and D from Nintendo. It's like, what the heck, man? I'm not making any money off this. You guys make such great music. I want to celebrate it, but that's a rant for a yeah. different time. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I mean, I love Nintendo. Do not get me wrong. Uh, but there are times where they do stuff and I just go like, why? And then you look yeah. at Sega. It's like I, I, you're you're not alone. You're you're definitely not. Alone. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned about having pitches. You mentioned like when people put in their pitch, you know, having a a vision, you know, trying to do something different. And one of the things I also um, wanted to talk about is that quite a few times in this episode, you've mentioned a word niche. And when I talk to other people, and even when I talk to like my family members, friends. Because retro gaming or even video games as a whole, like video games is a niche, but video games under the, the giant banner of it, there are so many other niche um, things. And even when you go like deeper down, like you can go to a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche, just like so down many different levels. And one of the things that I do love about the storefront and also the books that you are putting out is that you are appealing to those niches. And so my question, my question is, what would be some tips that you want to give to prospective writers? Mm-hmm. As I raise my hand, audio listeners, mm-hmm. as in, what are some tips for pitches? Like, do, how far of ne- how deep of a niche does it have to be? Or it's like just essentially, what are tips for a submission, any sort of submission that you would consider putting on to your storefront or put or may turning into a project? Yeah, I mean. Like on the niche part, it's like it needs to like more than being a niche. It needs to be unique, and unique is a very loosely, you know, I'm using that word very loosely here. But what I mean by that is like, is there already a book about X game? Okay, there is. Okay, so what's your unique take on it? Is it mm-hmm. is it that you're just writing about your personal experience growing up playing it? If it's as simple as like I played it, it was fun. Our friends would joke about it's like, well, that's probably everyone's experience with it. Like, there's probably something more like. Is it like, is it like you have a personal connection in some way, or is there like something about your past that really makes you feel connected in, in this really unique way that fits the theme of the game? Or maybe it's like, it's none of that. You're just really, you're a comedic writer. You're really funny. If you're funny, like that's already unique enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or something else. Right. Or, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a game series like Rygar. It's never been written about. And you're like, you can say, hey, this is why I'm the right person to write about it. I experienced it, you know, like, it's not just like it's on my shelf, but it's like, this is my passion for it, right? Or maybe you're not mm-hmm. that passionate about it. That's okay, but you can, you're going to bring something to it and people are going to feel that energy and they're going to be informed. You're Maybe you're like the best researcher ever or whatever. Putting that all aside, like, you know, including some kind of writing sample, I think is really important because without that, like, how do you really know, like, it's not just about like quality, right? Quality is also subjective, right? But it's more mm-hmm. about like, the type of writing you do. Like, are you right. a funny writer? Are you a very personal writer? Are you very, um, are you like a documentarian? All those things are good for their own reason, right? Um, but to get a sense of that and thinking about how it'll mesh up with the theme you're proposing is important. Um, and that said, the pitch, the sample doesn't have to be like a sample chapter per se, like, which is helpful, right? If you're like willing to write a sample chapter, that's work, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and that's your work. Like, I don't own that work. If we don't work together, that's yours. But like, um, you know, carry forth if we don't. But 
seeing that may, it, it gives you a little better idea of where we're going. Cause it's literally the thing we're doing. Um, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that if it's like, you know, you write articles, right? You're like, here's an article I wrote. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, it gives you a sense of my writing style. Um, you know, the way I'd like to kind of interpret things and how I approach things. Great. But I do think, I do think that's important because otherwise if someone just says like, I, I want to write a game, a book about toe jam and Earl, I'm like, cool. That's one of my favorite games of all time. And I'm guessing there's not a book about it. I'll Google it later. But I, uh, what's your writing style like? Like, yeah, I, anyone could write that book that's played it. Yeah, I need to, I need a little more. And so, yeah, that's, so that's that's really important. So essentially, it's like obviously, it's like it, the pitch shouldn't just be I want to write about X thing. It's like, hey, I want to write about X thing. This is why I want to write about it. This is what I bring to the table. And here's a, a essentially like here's like an example or a sample or or something other than that, because I can yeah, only yeah, imagine, and, yeah yeah because I can only because I did talk to when I was talking to Gabe at Boss Fight he was saying the same thing is like yeah we don't I mean yes writing about a certain game is cool but we want to know why even though because obviously because looking at uh, like you said you have a bunch of Boss Fight books I have a few of uh, a few Boss Fight books myself. It's like some of the games they have is like they have some of the classic of classics, obviously Chrono Trigger being one of them, Shadow of the Colossus. But then they have other ones like recently they came out with Minesweeper. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a game I never thought about. Someone wanted. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, like, how much can you really say about Minesweeper? <laughs> I haven't yeah, read that and, one, but I'm I'm assuming there's a lot to be said about it, actually. It's very like to me, the my favorite bit about that Minesweeper book, because I was sent it so I can like look into it because I wrote an article for one of the magazines I write for. Uh, about mm-hmm. boss fight books and when i the first chapter in that minesweeper thing is like here's how to play minesweeper i never knew how to play minesweeper as a kid it finally was like this is how you play the damn game because when i first saw it as a child on my parents windows 95 i just thought oh you just have to click random buttons and pray you don't hit a mine i don't know what these numbers mean and now i do it's like oh right, so right. that's how yeah, it's like yeah. when you finally and, figure out yeah, how to exactly. play solitaire for the first time. But that's also interesting to know. That's probably how ninety-five percent of the people played it. And like, it, yeah. it's like was that was that the intention? Does it matter if it was the intention? Like, those are interesting concepts to explore. Um, the other thing I'll add about the pitch is like, if you have a book that's almost done or you or done, and you don't you you need a publisher, you're trying to get it out the door, you want to get it printed and up and distributed because that's a lot of work, right? Like figuring like. A lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't know where to host. They don't know how to get it printed. They don't know how to make sure it's quality. They don't like where are they going to sell it? Who too, right? Um, mm-hmm. How are you going to market it? Um, you know, how are you going to get this all together? Um, I, I'd be interested to at least talk if people are like, yeah, I have this thing. Okay, cool. Let's talk about it. Like, it doesn't matter if it's not, you know, uh, not yet conceived. That's okay. Uh, the other thing is like, I, I think I said earlier, it can be full color. It can be black and white text only. I'm flexible. Uh, I think it's more about what is what makes the most sense for the concept that's being proposed. Um, so I think people should like think about that. Um, they don't need to have that figured out, but that's something they should think about, right? Because some right. things lend better to visuals. Some things more are more like art book like. Some things are more like no, I'm just it's just straight history. You're just going to read about it. Whereas Rygar was somewhere in between. I wanted to have that Nintendo Power magazine ish feel. And like, kind of like, you know, like how that popcorn fun kind of like thing to it. It's kind of pop. Everything's popping out and like visually stimulating. Um, you're kind of looking, there's like tips or, or there's random facts everywhere, but it, it's still a history book. 
at its core, mm-hmm. that's another direction. That's more of like a hybrid, right? So it's something right. at least people should think about if they propose something. And then the other thing I'll mention is like, I'm not doing like, you know, there's not like a, here's the window to submit. If people want to submit, it's open, drop it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself or someone else will definitely read everything uh, submitted in there. Uh, I can't, you know, give direct feedback to every single person that puts something in there. It's impossible. Um, so I hope people don't have their feelings hurt if I'm not replying to people's emails. It's just like the nature of things. Um, right. You know, it, it, it is what it is. And like, even if I don't talk to you and like it's a year later and you're like, uh, I still want to do that same thing, but here's the new twist I'd put on it. Or here's how my writing is improved. I have a new sample. Mm-hmm. Like you could just drop in a new submission and just say, this is my new thing. And here's what's different this time. That's, that's okay. cool too. Yeah. If you're now, you don't have to answer this question. If you're comfortable with saying how many pitches are you going through as of right now? Um, I'm caught up right now. Um, okay, okay. But, but I told you I'm a, uh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm constantly juggling too many things. Well, oh, I think yeah, I'm yeah. caught up. I, I haven't looked, I haven't looked in a few weeks, so maybe I, I shouldn't, okay. I shouldn't just say that. I, I'm probably pretty caught up, but, um, okay. I apologize I, if I put, I, if, if I put you on the spot, I was, no, just, you're I was, fine, just you're fine. but, but like, I, I do promise, like, I, uh, I will look at everything. And like, the other thing is like right now, like I, I wrapped up. I did research for two things that I'm personally working on and collaborating with some others on, but I'm driving those. And then mm-hmm. of one of those, uh, I'm working on layouts on one of those and with an editor, with a cover artist, uh, a forward a person writing the forward, et cetera. Like, so that's all in flight. I got the other contract that's going on right now for a, a new original work. Um, there's like, I try not to take on too many things at the same time. So it's like, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the timing's not right. Do you know what I mean? Like right. put it in there. It's still going to all be reviewed and like, mm-hmm. and scrutinized and uh, we'll, you know, we'll figure things out. It just takes, t- it just takes time. It takes time. Everything takes time. Yeah. yeah. Can't do everything at once. I try to do three things at once and I feel like that's already enough. Yeah. I, t- <laughs> I feel you there, brother. There are times where it's like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And then all of a sudden I get overwhelmed and then I just don't do any of the things I told myself I was going to do. And I just either watch Netflix or play video games all day. And then I feel worse about myself at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm the same. I'm like, I'll start doing some kind of entertainment and then I'll, I'll be enjoying it. And I'll think, Oh, shouldn't I do something productive? And then I start doing something productive. And I'm like, why am I slaving away? Don't you deserve to do something fun? And I just kind of yeah. oscillate between those things. <laughs> I mean, cause as much, cause to me, like this podcast being case in point, mm. while I want this to become essentially my main source of income or my full-time job or something that helps attribute to it. I do this because I love talking about video games, because I love talking to other people, yourself um, included, about their, um, their stories about video games growing up or, or or retro game books. It's like, why a video game books? Why did you decide to do this? It's like learning your story and talking about it, stuff you're passionate about. It is fun thing to do. I love doing this. As much as because, uh, like you said, there are times where it's like, oh, I want to do this, and then once I finally get it done, I might be not to say that I was doing it, not hundred percent. I always get excited for recording episodes, but mm-hmm. once the episode is done, I cannot tell you how much of a not just relief, but just of like an emotional hike. It's like I did that. That was a thing. That was awesome. I want to do more of this. Yeah, and that's how I feel anytime a big book project wraps up, and it's kind of. 
I mean, the sad part of that is like when it's done and it's printed and everything, and I'm looking at the proof copy, the, the proof copy for people that don't know is like the one that gets like kind of kicked off the line first. So you can kind of check it for quality and uh, it's like your last mm-hmm. chance kind of thing to approve. Like when I have that in my hand, I'm like so excited, um, you know, can't wait to hit the approve button. And then I toss it aside. I'm like, all right, what do I need to do next? Um, I'm like, <laughs> keep working, keep working. Um at some point I'm going to sit down and just like read through everything we've made <laughs> again, just to kind of revisit <laughs> it when enough time has gone by. And I can, yeah. I, I want to have that, like, you know, when people say like, what's that one show or movie or game you could erase from your memory and uh, experience again. I'm like, well, like for me, so, like some of that, you know, there are shows and movies, like, all that stuff, but like, I need enough time to go by before I can enjoy myself. I stared at it right. for so long. The ones that I personally work on, um that i uh i feel like i've seen them seen them enough so i just move on right. to the next day hey i 100 get it. there are times where there's a project or an article i've been working on for like a week and a half or so and then when it's finally done i'm like i never have to touch this damn thing again and mm-hmm. like when people ask or when no one's asked me this but if people were to ask me what my favorite thing is it's like oh it, i would just be like oh it probably this would be this thing and it's like you know what yeah i could you know you, you kind of get that uh feeling it's like you know, if I were to erase that and redo it differently, how would I do it differently? You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But exactly. also, just like you said, you've been staring at it for the whole time. It's, you're just part of you does I mean, just want to get it done. We're talking about hours in, uh, in games like uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, hours doing like layouts and writing. It's like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm thankful I don't calculate those things because I feel like I would be. I'd be shocked by how many hours go into this work. Um, it's the thing I, I think people don't realize about the type of stuff we're both talking about. Mm-hmm. And even when it comes to playing video games, I will not lie, while I was playing Tears of the Kingdom, as much as I love that game, because that was my personal game of the year for 2023. Me too. There Me were too. there were there were times where I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom and I'm just like, I have stuff I want to do. Like I want to get all the shrines done. I want to be like max set as much max as I could, get some certain weapons before I went and fought Ganondorf. But there are times I'm playing this and a thought crossed my mind. I was like, do I, should I just like go and fight him now? I am, I wasn't tired of the game, but there are parts of it's like, I just want this game to be done so I can move on to something else. I've yeah, been playing this yeah. game. Like the release, game release for, the curse. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been playing this game for months and I want, and there's like Final Fantasy 16 has been out for months already. All these other games are coming out. Nintendo announced these games that are coming out and I haven't beaten Tears yet because I told myself yeah. I'm not buying more games until I beat Tears. And it's just like, just finish the damn game. But then when I do finish it and when I did finish it, it was it wasn't just like i'm free it was that was an experience yeah that was yeah and, an and it lasts with you you it hangs it with does. you yeah and it i think does. i think something it sounds like something similar between us is uh like being a completionist like wanting to kind of like soak it all in collect it all like I, I i'll start a big rpg sometimes and i'll say i'll tell myself like i'm coaching myself like you don't have to do all the side quests you don't have to get every single treasure chest on every side i'm like but i'm going to i'm I'm, yeah. I'm going to like but what what about that but what about that right like i need to know <laughs> i can't help it for me it's not just i don't i have to complete every side quest for the completion for me it's like i want to do side quests like case in point final fantasy 16 i made mm-hmm. sure i did every single side quest that was open to me not because i was trying to get some completion bonus just because i want to be super over op and just wreck fools on my main run 
just because yeah, I want to. Yeah. That's fair. It's like that. It's like that meme of the killer whale going to the seal on the beach, where it's like me completing all the side quests, the first dungeon boss. Just like, you walk in, it's like surprise, fool. Something yeah, like I mean that's part of the fun of an RPG where you're like you're kind of yeah. struggling at first, you're building up, and then you're like you're kind of in a rhythm, and then you're like totally OP at the end, and then you just get yeah. to like wreck house like there's, there's something kind of satisfying about that yeah, and, uh I'm okay also, with that. <laughs> yeah and also i find it that the psych the side quests or the side dungeons they give the best weapons and armor that you mm-hmm. i mean yes there's good stuff you could buy in the shops of course you you're gonna have to go to the shops but the best stuff you have to go work for it and then after you work for it like you know you do a side boss you do hard missions you do all the other you know you do the side stuff then you go fight the final boss and all of a sudden you can just wipe the floor with them no prop no problem you're just mm-hmm. staying over, yeah. you're just lording over them going ha, 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 kneel essentially yeah. and it feels good that's okay it does it really does i'm it, it the, you get the power fantasy a little bit but it's still it's all in fun and games now i know we're going a little bit for time but i do have are you okay because i have one more question yeah, i want to ask you that let's do one right, more let's do it yeah all right cool because there have been episodes where we do go a little over two hours but i just want to make sure you're okay on time because like you said okay. you have a three-year-old yeah. i do um <laughs> <laughs> why a book about maps mm, i mean what? okay so <laughs> it's <laughs> so it's hard for me to put it into words i okay. but so let me start simply i love maps they don't even have to okay. be video games like i'm not a cartographer i just think they're fascinating i don't mean google maps i mean like you know old treasure maps and movies right, or right. like you open up like a uh, like the Hobbit, and there's like a hand drawn map in it. And yeah. then, of course, gaming and the fold out poster maps, and like how it makes me feel about my childhood, and how every time there's a map, and again, not Google Maps because that's just getting you to point A to point B. It's about like exploration. It's about what is there, especially when there's the fog of war, and you kind of have to figure out the rest. You know, like like the original Legend of Zelda had that fold out map and only like a third of the map was revealed to kind of give you a little taste mm-hmm. or a teaser. So you can get to like the first couple levels and just wondering what the rest is there. Am I going to hand draw the rest? Am I going to just figure it out? Um, to me, it's just like maps don't intersect with all games. There's certain games that obviously they don't make sense. Puzzles, uh, you know, other genres. But like for the ones that they do, RPGs, action included, um, racing, whatever, like they just there's such an intricate part of it and so to me it's like it's that sense of navigation sense of exploration all the things they kind of like suggest um i think it's also just really cool to think like how they tie back to like tabletop rpgs and dungeons and dragons and stuff the days when you had to kind of you literally drew everything and then it kind of started to bleed and morph into early gaming where it was like well you could play the original metroid but without a map, but you might want to start taking some notes on some grid paper um, if you want to get the most out of this experience. And like, I played a game about a year ago that's a modern NES game. You can literally play it on NES hardware um, called Full Quiet. And that was the most recent time I got to hand draw a map again. And I literally had grid paper. I had to have like multiple grid paper because I, because you know, with the map, you also don't know which direction am I going? Like, where do I even start drawing the first square? And there's also, there's excitement even in that alone. And then kind of filling it out and being like, here's the power-ups. Oh, should I make this like a thing I can share later and be like, here's where things are for people that want the spoilers or need help. It can almost be like a guide. And like I did that. I stitched together in Photoshop later and like put it out there and tried to erase all my scribbles and everything. Um, 
there's just something about it that just like it, the nostalgic joy of old games, the map aspect, I feel like it's just really, really valuable. And so like with the NES and Famicom one, I have a bundle. You can actually get a dot grid note paper with it or a notebook with it. So you can draw your own maps or draw whatever you want. Right. But like, I'm kind of trying to like subtly encourage people to maybe draw again. And like, I also like this idea of you don't need to be an artist to draw a map. They're literally just lines, right? You can be the worst artist in the world, but you can draw a map. Um, and so it's just everything they kind of like all the feelings they kind of bring up is what I love about it. And also like some of my favorite memories of eight and 16 bit games are the maps. And I bet you a lot of people would agree when they think about like final fantasy and dragon dragon quest uh, slash warrior and not just RPGs, but other games that had like fold out maps in particular, like that's a lot of the things they first think of when they think about it, because it's the potential of the game. It's, it shows you the scale of the world, you know, like that this world is so much bigger than you, the character or the player that's inhabiting it. Um, so all those feelings are what I think about when I think about maps. I did not think that you and I would have so much in common <laughs> after hearing that. <laughs> Cause when you're just talking about saying you love maps, I mean, I won't lie. I also love maps in a way. When I was a kid, my parents, we would drive to Montana because obviously I live here in Southern California. My mom's side of the family is from Montana. So when I was a kid, we would take road trips up to Montana and we would have, and I don't know where my parents bought this, but it was a placemat, like a physical placemat for us, for, for children, but it was a map of the United States. And for me and my brother, that would be our map on how we would go from our home close to Los Angeles to my mom's hometown in the middle of nowhere in Montana. And it was just so fun to look at. And then we'd be like, oh, like going from here to here is super far away. Like going from California to say uh, Detroit is super far or like how like going from coast to coast and all these other places and just staring at that for the longest time. Or even when I was a kid and my parents would take me to Disneyland. I would always, 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 even though when I became a Disneyland pass holder, I'd always grab a map and put it in my back pocket. Even I've though I've been there so many times, I practically know that place better than the back of my hand or the better how to um, navigate through my hometown. It's just always fun to pick up a map or even mm -hmm. looking at or even because a place like Disney, like the Disneyland Resort itself is just constantly changing. A map from one month is like that doesn't have Star Wars Galaxy Edge is now completely different than one that does, and just all the things that change throughout the years. It's it's fun. You're right. It is fun to look at. And going back to video game maps, I cannot tell you how many times this one strategy guide saved me when I was playing Pokemon Red version because it had the map to the rock tunnel and I never got flash. So I'm constantly hitting the walls, trying to figure out how to get out of that damn tunnel. And when I finally did, the rest of the game was open up to me. I never had to go through that place ever again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for, uh, for what it's worth, we went to Dis Disneyland a couple months ago and uh, oh, nice. <laughs> I had the app, I had the app on my phone and uh, having the map there. I mean, it was handy, although like, I still think there's something, uh, more charming about having the paper fold out yeah. um, even even though it's, it's archaic it just feels better it's just not <laughs> the same it's yeah. just not the same i'm my my fiance and i were planning to go to tokyo disney and universal studios japan because we're going to japan at, at the end of march and i even though we have the apps on our phone downloaded we can navigate through the app i'm still gonna pick up a paper map if i see it thankfully 
at least at Disneyland now, they put the maps to the side over by one of the um, the archways when you go under the railroad tracks. They're not at the front of the ticket booths, which or the ticket entry area, where it still kind of bums me out because that was just always a. That's like the one souvenir from Disneyland that you don't have to pay any extra for. You just walk in, boop, you're done. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. But and I don't care if people say it because there's a, even a joke for a while. I was like, you don't need a map. You, what are you trying to do? Look like a tourist? It's like, but I like looking at the map. It's fun to I look mean, at. If you're at Disneyland, you're, you already are a tourist. Um, yeah, you uh, really are. Too. <laughs> yeah, it's, even it's if quiet. I, <laughs> Even though I live 20 minutes away from the park, I still like looking at the map. It's still. Oh, fun. you're that it's close. Like, that's, that's cool. Uh, I, I am pretty close to, I am pretty close to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already ready to go back. I didn't get to do everything I wanted to do. So I need to go back again this year. I would love to, Hey, I, as much as I'd love to go to Disneyland, just looking at all the price hikes that they have. I, my fiance and I, we bought um, passes for universal last year because we wanted to go to super Nintendo world. Mm-hmm. and already now we're just like looking at the prices for disneyland compared to universal it's like we're jumping more to universal more and more not to say that disneyland's yeah. bad we still always have a great time at disneyland it's just yeah universal is more it's cheaper i have i have fun there i can actually yeah. afford it and also yeah, Nintendo I world. i definitely want to go there i want to see the i want to see the super nintendo world big time so well if you ever decide well, if you ever do come to Southern California, let me know because oh, sure. well, my pass gets free parking, and I can help with that. Oh, and just to make, I like free parking. <laughs> in case you're in case you're in case you're driving, you don't want. I know we've only known each other for the past like what two hours or so, but in case you're willing to let it, counts. it I, it's enough time. That's that's the that's can, the parking the parking perk yeah. amount of hours, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I can help with parking. That's the one thing I always tell my friends. Nice. It's like, yeah, we got you go nice. to Universal. I'll go. Can I go? I could I could get you parking. Nice. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, so I 100% understand why. Now, another question I have, the book, like the, because right now on the website, I wanted to make sure, because you have two books about maps on your website right now, which Mm -hmm. are for the NES and Famicom and the Genesis. Mm -hmm. Can those books essentially help um, with players playing games nowadays? Are they... Now, obviously, they're not a complete replacement for strategy guides, but can the map at least help them where to go? Yeah, so that's something I think about, you know, as these are being put together and promoted, which is they are more of like a tribute to Mm -hmm. the games and the maps than they are a guide. Because um, while you could, you could, to your point, you could leverage them in some way and be like, some of them are just like, this is the map for the game. There's only one map. Here it is. That's all you're going to get from the internet or the old guides in the day back in the day anyway. So yeah, that would be helpful. But some of them are more like, this is a gallery. It's trying to show like how these things were displayed at their time, um, how they all kind of fit together, like what's kind of interesting about them, some factoids, those kind of things. So it is more about like praising it as a gallery with interesting facts than it is about a guide. Because if it's a guide, you need to make sure that every picture is like, full page no matter what and most of them are because like the more you can the better right um but if you're gonna do that with you know there's some games where they they would have like a 30 page guide i mean you would literally just be reprinting that work this wouldn't be this wouldn't be me you know taking a new slant on that you could just look those up if that's what you're really going for but again you can you're gonna get like some tip like i had someone who bought it uh the nes one who said like i'm playing nes games with my son you know, he's never played them and I'm going to use your book and like, be like, see, here's this. And like, 
this will help like yeah there, there's definitely things like that um the nas one also is a smaller format whereas the genesis one the metroid books etc like they're a much bigger format um which i think mm-hmm. lends it well to the artwork um not not to diminish like the works in the nas one but like which is more of a fun manga size but the other ones being like those bigger chunkier like bigger and thicker books um you can get a little more into the details you can also pick up like the ebooks for people who want to like you know zoom in and look at things a little more closely that's always an option too you know i i have ebooks available for just about anything that um is also physical nice yeah because um because even with like certain like say the books that came out when the nes and super nintendo minis came out like uh, because nintendo i don't i want to say it was like nintendo published them or some other company did but they said hey here are these books that are kind of like companion pieces with the consoles and some of them do include like tips and tricks for the games that are on those systems for the nes and super nintendo some of them do include maps like i know there's like um like the entire map for one of the Mario levels. I want to say maybe world eight, eight, you know, the last level in super Mario bros. It's like, Hey, go to this pipe to go to fight Bowser. Like here's the puzzle. Cause it's not just a single one shot all the way through. You have to. Right. Like, yeah. And I, th- I think, it, I think it's eight, four. I, I haven't seen this, but I think eight, four, if I remember correctly, it was the last yeah, one. Yeah, I know you mean. You, you had to, yeah, you had eight, to jump four, through a few what, pipes. If you want to yeah. do like the fastest route, you're doing at least a couple, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, yeah, yeah, eight, four, not eight, 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 four. That's what I meant. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. each, no, each world good. has four levels in it. I forgot about it. It's yeah. like, wow, how long have I been playing Mario for? My gosh. Yeah. But yeah, you're, but yeah, so looking at, because even, because I do agree that there are artists, there is artistry to maps. Because even though I go on Etsy or um, when I look at uh, what the books like yours or even other projects, because people have made like, here's the map of Hyrule from Breath of the Wild, but it's like, it's not a, a official or a complete map. It's like, this is a little more of like an art piece. It's like, here it is. Like you have Hyrule Castle, you have the divine beasts uh, like laid out, but it's more of a something like that's pretty, it's pretty to look at. Yeah. But even yeah. when you're talking about that one, uh, that one gentleman who was playing any ass games with sons, like it is fun to look at, but also it's like, Hey, maybe I could. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it, it wasn't made to be a guide, but it could be used as one should the occasion arise. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's totally right. Totally right. Yeah. And I think that's actually, that's actually really cool in my personal opinion, because not only do you have, because with guides, when, when I was a kid, I would love buying strategy guides for the, my video games that I have, because sometimes they do have, they do have different art. They, of course they have, you know, detailed maps. It's like, go here, go there. This is where you need to go. This is like this treasure you're looking for. It's over here. Um, I was, I was, I bought the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection and I'm playing Battle Network 1 and I'm just so confused on where to go because it's like, where do I go? And then I would look up the maps online and I would be like, even then I'm just like, how the frack do I get there? That's so weird. I don't like, I don't know if I like this or not. Thankfully, yeah, later games, I, the map I, system got a lot better, but, but still even like in guides, maps serve a purpose, but with your book, it sounds like maps are like yes they might serve a purpose but it's like hey remember back in when you played this game yeah it's putting them on a pedestal it's appreciating Mm -hmm. them it's seeing them all together in the gallery it's learning about them so it's the facts as well and like some of the background information uh it's also i i I think i mentioned earlier there's like modern artists you know like Mm -hmm. um hand-drawn maps so like uh for example uh someone uh made like a shadow gate map for nes and like it's really cool and there's some cool hand-drawn stuff in there um 
it looks amazing. It's also just kind of fun to see like, well, in Japan, this is like how the hand-drawn marker interpretation of this map was kind of uh, published and put out there for people to consume versus like the Americanized version, because like the Westernized versions are often so different and you can argue which one's better and why. And like just seeing those side by side, I think like has historical relevance. Um, then also just like the difference between a uh, manual and a magazine and a, mag or a drawing and a poster or whatever, right? Like they all have different interpretations. Um, I just, I find all, all that fascinating and just seeing it together again, it's, it's me putting something I want on my shelf and thankfully other people also want it on their shelf. And that's kind of mm -hmm. how that started. And also what, what's really cool about it is that it's different. You, when you say, when people, I feel like to, in today's day and age, when people talk about video game books, now that unfortunately strategy guides are all but extinct. I mean, I was at GameStop last night and that we saw a strategy guide for tears of the kingdom, which I was like, cool. These things are still getting printed albeit few and far between because Bray games doesn't really exist anymore. Prima is mm -hmm. kind of, mm -hmm. it's online only, you know, those old strategy guide makers don't really exist anymore, but if they do, they're very scaled back or online only, which makes sense because people go to the internet nowadays, but because you, your book is just so different, it's like you would never expect, or I would, at least I would, until I found, uh, found out about retro game books, I would have never thought that there'd be books about video game maps, specifically multiple books and soon to be even more coming out about from like, obviously you have the, the NES Famicom and the and Sega Genesis Mega Drive. I can only, and like looking at the history of video games in its as a whole, it's like there's probably gonna be so much more, at least either planned or coming out down the line. And yeah. I know, yeah, there's, yeah, there's even two, though, two more, two more in the works right now. So at least two more. All right, are you willing to say at least the names of one of them? Because I know it, but I'm not gonna say it unless you say you're cool. Yeah, I mean, it, sure, so. why not? Um, uh, so the the one that will come out next will be the will be the Super NES Super Famicom one. So that's what's next. I almost prioritized that before the Genesis one, but for some reason, like even though I, I feel like people might be more drawn to the uh, the Nintendo the Super Nintendo one, something I just wanted to change it up. I wanted to like focus on the Genesis and give it some love. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's definitely coming. I mean, also to be fair, the Genesis did come out before the Super Nintendo. Well, then, so you also then got perfect. Perfect. Yeah, you also got that. <laughs> you got that going for you as well because the Genesis came out in 89. Nintendo, the Super Nintendo didn't come out in North America at least until 91. So there you go. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And now and also when you were talking about um like you know making maps when you were making a map, because I it instantly took me back to no, well, I didn't play it when it first came out, but when people would talk stories about say Samus Returns for the Game Boy and all that and people said, yeah. I had to make my own map or because if I or if I lost the map that came with the game itself, you're screwed. And now that the game is out on all these different systems, you know, emulation, the NSO, it doesn't come with a map. So it's either you make your own or you go online and look for one. Right. Right. And that's like I mentioned, full quiet, that NES game. That was something that I really enjoyed about it was at least at the time that maybe it's changed now. Now that it's been about a year, there was no map. Online, so like I couldn't even tempt myself to cheat, if you want to call yeah. it cheating. Like there was no option, it, and so it felt like I was in the early '90s again. And you're like, you know, you'd have to ask people in the schoolyard. Although there was no one playing it on the schoolyard, and I'm not in school, so it was more <laughs> like I'm gonna. I ended up jo joining like a Discord, and there was a, 
a handful of people and they're just kind of talking about it and they're purposely like hiding their spoilers. And if someone needed a tip, like I, re- I asked for a couple of tips and I shared some tips back. And then I shared my map at the end and said, if anyone really wants to dive in, you can look into this. And like, it just felt like the old days, which was mm-hmm. kind of fun. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, pretty much everything's out there. It's a, it's uncanny yeah. how a game can be out for a day and someone could already have a complete walkthrough out on in the yeah. wild, which I know is because people have advanced copies and whatever deadlines that they're working against. So that's part of the reason, but I very impressed that people are able to get those things done. Um, so yeah. you know, everything's a, a, a click away unless it's something new and a little more obscure. That's the only chance of that happening these days. Oh yeah. I mean, I also, when I was a kid, I would, con- I mean, there would be some strategy, mostly for the Mega Man Battle Network games. I would ask my parents for strategy guides and they hated every time I wanted a new one. Cause it, they were just hard to find. Like they mm. didn't really go on to Amazon. They like Amazon, while it was a thing, they didn't really trust buying stuff online yet. It wasn't much in my household, at least it, buying stuff online or through eBay wasn't a, it was a very last resort. Most practice. We would just either go to borders other video game stores just try to look to see if they had it or call stores and see if they had it in advance and if we happen to find ourselves out that way we would go through it but definitely going to other kids and asking them how do you get past this certain part because i remember when my brother and i bought kingdom hearts or when we got the game kingdom hearts we were stuck on destiny islands for the longest time because we didn't know how you had to hit the trees to get the damn coconuts and we didn't know what it's like a coconut would fall and it wouldn't let us pick it up. It's like, why can't I pick up this damn coconut? Let me play the game. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that's cheating. I would just be like, hey, go that way. And it's like, here's a boss. Here's our way to beat it. But if you found a different way, that's cool too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't sense. say that's cheating. I wouldn't say that's cheating. That's just like how no, I mean, none of it's none of it's cheating in my opinion. It's kind of like no. If you're now, having fun, is, if you if you feel like you're yeah. cheating yourself, maybe you're cheating, but otherwise just have fun. Whatever, I, whatever I would, brings you joy. I would say if you're for me, cheating is described as doing something in the game that you're not supposed to be doing, i.e., I would say a cheat would be entering a code to get max stats at level oh one. yeah or like, like, like a game like a game genie situation yeah, yeah, like yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're cheesing some boss but no one told you how to cheese the boss you figured out how to cheese the boss yeah yeah i'm like i think that's a tactic and if you oh no that's like not cheating yourself because you're not getting the like you really want the challenge in this intense game then stop but otherwise if you're like i've already fought this guy 10 times just whatever Hit in the corner, got, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I got, I can't tell you, there's, I forgot what it was, but I know it was an Elden Ring, it was an Elden Ring mini boss, and mm-hmm. they accidentally fell down the thing and they died, and I got all the stuff. And I didn't even realize that's I was cool. the boss. That's one of those yeah, like, I didn't accidents. Really... Those are like one of those happy accidents that actually makes the yeah. game interesting, I think. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fighting this boss, I turn around, I try to get into a better advantage, and all of a sudden they fall off the edge. And but then that's I, awesome. Like, I mean, it's that's like great. Enemy sl- it's like enemies. No, it was an Urtree boss. That's what it was. It was an Urtree oh, boss wow. up in the the snow mountains, the the hilltop of the giants. I think it was, or maybe it was like the the snowy fields. You know, the uh the, mm-hmm, near the mm-hmm. end game. I, you know, I was like at one level. The boss was on another level. How I activated, I don't know. All I know is that there was a boss fight health bar, and I'm like, where the f is it? All of a sudden, I'm do, I'm walking around, and then it says enemy defeated. And I got the rewards. I'm like, okay. That's cool. 
Yeah, that's not your fault. My soul, my like my uh, um, my soul's counter just like jumps up, and I'm like, my, my thank you, my runes. I forgot what they were called for a second. I think it's, it's runes, while. wasn't it? It's been a yeah, while. it's runes, it's runes. And all of a sudden, my runes just like jump up like ten thousand runes. I'm like, I'm not gonna say no, and I just kept yeah, on walking. Yeah, yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Yeah, to me, that's cheating. But especially with older RPGs like Chrono Trigger, or even Final Fantasy, looking up a guide on say like go here and then you go here, or it's recommend you go this way. To me, that's just more of like, okay, I just know where to go because I cannot tell you how many times I used to, I was playing older RPGs and I wouldn't like, I would skip through all the text and all of a sudden I'm like, where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. How am I supposed to point, do There's thing? a point where like the, the fun's going to diminish if you don't unblock yourself yeah. and it's worth just doing it. And I, I'll do that on occasion too. Like, I, I think, I yeah. think a lot of people do and it's whatever. It's the way it yeah, works. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a while since I last played Chrono Trigger, so I'm pretty sure when I boot that game up again, I'll be like, okay, where was I? Where where, where do I need to go? Okay, I just need to go that way. And at least I, yeah. as long as I have a heading, I'll go and play the game myself. So, Because for me, it's just like, as much as I love older RPGs, like because I did play the original Final Fantasy, but I played the PSP port of it. And I would say the game does help you with like, hey, go that way. But there are times where talking to a bunch of um npcs still doesn't give you a heading and you it's like where do i go i don't know what to do but having a guide does help yeah but also exactly. but also the, the maps do help because then he's like you can like get an overview it's like okay where it's like where's the nearest health spot where can i save or it's like where can i like re- retreat when i need to do a heal so i don't waste all my potions yeah totally yeah. i know what you mean yeah stuff like that well anyways uh brian we're coming up on time first of all thank you so much for taking the oh, time sure. to talk about, yeah, to thank talk you about too. of course dude th- this has been an this has been an absolute blast i i got i got some stuff to think about if you know what i mean wink yeah send, send something <laughs> my way um yeah for sure yeah people should check out the site and see what's there if they want to pitch something they should go for yeah. it if they have even if you're like hey i have an idea are you ever going to make a book about this I, i'm not a writer but i think you should I'm yeah. interested in that stuff. I love chatting with people on like, mm-hmm. you know, threads or blue sky or whatever. Send me an email or if there's someone else you want to talk to that's involved, I'll pass it along. Um, I love all that stuff. And um, if people want to like know more, um, I'm, I'm sure you were going to ask me to say this. So I'll just say it anyway. Um, you know, there is a newsletter at the base of the website you can sign up for. Um, I am one of those people where like I loathe when, uh, companies spam them so i keep it like mm. it's like a like maybe like two emails a year is like what we're doing mm. around now it's like there's some new releases some restocks maybe a like a, an exclusive discount or some combination it's those kind of things yeah um, try to keep it like crisp and to the point um, mm-hmm. or maybe there's a giveaway you know that you i want to direct people to if they want to win a free shirt or a free game or whatever it is um but yeah the email list a, is like a good way to stay informed you have a shirt right now that's a beautiful anime version of lincoln zelda which i assume is is like it's more of like um the aesthetic is maybe linked to the past i would say or is that like more original legend of zelda it's actually more original and uh, I, I like to refer to them okay. as elf and elf and princess in case anyone's listening but um nah. yeah the, they're um <laughs> just kidding uh but yeah uh, the artist uh uh, the artist that does that, I believe, I believe the name is Dennis Polito. Um, mm-hmm. They, they do like exclusively nineties like anime style. And so, you know, I sought this person out for that style, just feeling like it would be like a really good match for that, that particular theme. 
Oh, I love that. And I, I'm like scrolling through your, I'm, I'm right now I'm looking at the website. I'm looking at, oh, nope, go back. There we go. I'm looking at the, the homepage right now. I'm just like looking at all this stuff, just like, like making mental notes of like when I do finally have, because one of the things I love and also hate about stuff like this is that I want all the things, but then my bank account will come up and say, excuse me. Um, no, you can't do that. Yeah, it can be an unhealthy habit. I, I'll it, I'll admit it. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm looking like I'm looking at um obviously the maps books because I'm like or the Met the Metroid pixel arts like I would love that the 32 bit library I want that because I was looking at volume one how it's mostly about Capcom and I'm mm -hmm, a huge I mm -hmm. love Capcom but I'm also a big Mega Man fan and even the art itself has like stuff from Marvel versus Capcom and I will die on the hill that MVC two is one of the best fighting games ever made. Um, you have NES achievements over achievers bundle, which looks really cool that I want to check out. And of course, something that looks fun and I never, I kind of want to talk to you about as well. The retro gaming coloring book. Cause that is just so <laughs> to me, that is just fun. Cause you have books that are like, yes, here's a history of Rygar or here's a bunch of maps from a console that I grew up loving. You have blurbs about from other fans who wrote about it. And then just because why not a coloring book? Because I think, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it which yeah, just relax. It, it was it was easy to produce, as you can imagine. Um, you know, the the art is um, it's really amazing. The artist's uh, uh, handle is uh, Rusty Shackles. Um, look look him up; he's amazing. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of really cool like black and white line artwork. There are actual like color versions of these that people want to uh, look them up um, on the on the person's por portfolio in case you want to be inspired. But yeah, it's just a fun one. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, hopefully, my kid will enjoy it and other people's kids or maybe you know adults too adults color and i think that's fine too um yeah, i mean and it's hey, kind of cool you flip through it and you're like oh i recognize this what is this what is this um you know there's some more obscure ones you're like what is this and you're like oh that's robotron i don't know how i would how i would have figured that out but a lot of them are very iconic um ones that people would spot very quickly hey i think that is rad i would want i don't have i'm not a parent just yet but if slash when i become a parent I'm definitely going to be doing this and I'll probably be coloring along with them too. Cause yeah, I'm definitely okay. adults. Adults can color too. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that's limited to kids, even though I wasn't a big fan of coloring as a kid. Now as an adult, I was like, oh, I think I, there's, I think my nephew was when he was, when him and his mom were living with me one uh, years ago, he had like a Superman coloring book. And I just, just decided I was like, Hey, do you mind if I do a thing? And he was doing one thing. I was doing one thing while we were just hanging out together. And I was coloring a Superman versus like Luther thing. And it was, Oddly enough, the one of the most therapeutic things I've did for myself in a long time. So you know yeah, what? Yes, yeah. adults coloring—it's a good thing, and also it's not hurting anyone. Let us enjoy things. But Brian, obviously, the website is retrogamebooks.com. But where can people find you on the internet elsewhere? I mean, I've been most active on Threads lately. I, I I've noticed. I just, <laughs> just kind of like just kind of pick a place. You know, I, it's uh -huh. it's exhausting to go between these things. I mean, anytime there's a new release or a restock or something i'll make sure basically most places will know about it um but it, you know if you want to interact with me a little more directly you know that or email or whatever um but you can find retro game books pretty much everywhere except for facebook um you'll you'll find us nice and of course there is a you do have a contact me on your on the home page that does have links to mm -hmm. everything else there so mm -hmm. sweet but yeah i have noticed that you're a lot more active on threads which means i need to get more active on threads but you're absolutely right because doing stuff like this i'm trying to like make sure i post everything everywhere so 
you know more eyes and the people can see it and yeah it does get a little exhausting so you're pro- mm-hmm. you're smarter than i am for then pick for picking just well, one spot and sticking oh, with it well hopefully someone wins the social media war soon to make content creators yeah, lives uh, a little easier but we'll see yeah that would be nice or elon musk can just give twitter back and we can all st- and we can we, we can all stop because dear lord i just do not yeah, i refuse that's a, to that's a whole that's a whole other podcast <laughs> that is that is that 100 it's not that's a podcast that's I don't want to talk about, but I will still just still say this: I will not call it what's currently being called or marketed as to right now. Oh, me but anyways, me but yes, go ahead, follow Brian on Threads, go check out Retro Game Books, and of course, you can follow me at BedMaga27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, all the places. And once again, Brian, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been an absolute blast. For sure, I enjoyed it. Of course. Hey, open invite. You ever want to come back on? Just hit me up if you, there's something you want to talk about. It's like, it's like, hey, this new book's coming out. Can I show it off on your podcast? Absolutely. Just let me know yeah, and we'll do it. For day. sure. For sure. Uh, definitely. And until next time, everyone, unpause. <laughs>